0: Hi, it's John. Hey, I just want to introduce this show because um, there's a couple of changes that happened, and this is not normally the way the show starts. But anyway, we had a, a talk with our friends Damien and Jesse, who started a beer company called Old Oak Brewing Company, or Old Oak Beer Company. I don't remember which one it is. Anyway, they had a name change that happened sometime after we recorded it. So Old Oak Beer Company is now Almanac Beer Company. Um, And the thing that's kind of interesting about it is that the bottle, the look and feel, the logo, all of that stuff kind of changes. No, it doesn't change at all. They just put a new name in and they, you know, they kept all the branding that they'd already developed. So anyway, when you hear Old Oak Beer Company or Old Oak, as you will throughout the whole show, uh, ignore that and just put in Almanac Beer Company. Uh, So the URL for the company is almanacbeer.com. And you can go there and see all the all the cool stuff that's going on. Okay, that's it. Here's the show. Tick 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 tick. My favorite intro of that was, "I'm Morley Safer," "I'm Dan Rather," "I'm Buzz Lightyear." (laughs) Really? (laughs) No, it was a parody that somebody made. They just edited the. They didn't actually do that. No, no, they just because Buzz Lightyear at some point in the show goes, "I'm Buzz Lightyear." Perfect intro for 60 minutes. <laughs> so, what story did Buzz do? Uh, Zur versus the Kodan Armada. That went way over my head.
1: Yeah,
2: so we, we, which game reference is that? Is that a Warcraft or is that a Land of the Lost? No, or? It's, a, it's getting my movies mixed up. Uh, um, Zur Zur's is Ghostbusters or that's, no, Zool? no. that's the bad that's guy
3: in, in Toy Story 3.
0: Yeah, but he's also in uh, Last Starfighter. Uh, He's he's also a
3: sour ale from Omega. Yeah, so I think a lot Uh, of people
0: know that. uh, Beer show tie-in. Well, no, I think that a lot of people know the the, the Last Starfighter reference. I love that movie. Was that with Lewis Gossett Jr.? I think so. And he... It's a really long time ago. I do know that a Cray XMP48 was the render engine. Oh, is that right? Yeah, and I thought that was really impressive at the time, which is basically a Pentium 300, <laughs>
2: <laughs> which would be what in, in sort of layman's terms, like a ten-year-old like uh, PC. Well, right it now? was uh,
0: yeah, 10-year-old, cool. a ten-year-old a ten-year-old PC. Made uh, was the same power as what made the last Starfighter Graphics, which was made 25 years ago.
2: But if it was a Cray,
0: you can claim it was a supercomputer.
2: It was a supercomputer. It still is. Was it the size of a refrigerator? They're
0: big. Have you ever seen a Cray XMP? No. Okay, well, basically it's this core. It's a, I don't know, it's a tower, and uh, they're all hand-wired. All the the boards are uh, hand-wrapped. Hand-wire-wrapped. And uh, when you bought one, it was like a million dollars to buy one, and it came with a technician to keep it running. Is that did, right? Did yeah, the, the hire, technician like service
1: plan with it? Did the technician live in the computer? Was that well, why it was so could. big? You, you could like there's
2: cranks. It's getting hot. It's getting hot. Stop doing
1: so much computation. <laughs> the <It's a> cast <laughs> system. Like his yeah. father was a Cray technician,
3: and his father was a Cray technician. Right
0: before that, there was no Cray because his dad invented it. But there's a there's a bench around it you can actually sit oh, is that right? on the on the cray.
3: but dad wow. i don't want to go live at john's house too bad he bought a supercomputer son. <laughs> <laughs> do i
2: have to that's really funny that's crazy though yeah you know it's funny how, how how poorly some of those uh like i remember the last i mean if i it's probably been 15 years since i saw that film but you know when i go revisit even the star wars movies um it's incredible how sim- simple the, the sort of you know, graphics that were involved. And mm-hmm. It was almost sort of a step just beyond claymation almost. It was, uh, well,
0: it, and a lot of it was. I mean, like the, the Imperial Walkers are
3: uh, are all stop mode. Is that right? Yeah, it's all... Vaseline yeah. on the lens to make the speeder not have wheels? Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> You're yeah. kidding. No. No. And then they took that out, and it kind of ruined everything.
0: Yeah, so instead of having the, the, the squishy you know looked like a lens effect it's now roto out and they have a glow that's underneath it and it's not nearly it's not nearly as the same
3: Ah, oh, wow yeah i just saw robocop the other day and the big the big stomping monster that like, shoots the guy in the border and that's all done with stop motion yeah and it's totally strange looking because you can <laughs> totally you can totally like now looking at it now you can totally see oh that's clearly four inches tall right um but at the time, it's actually, it's like really, really strange because the, the movement is very different. I mean, I think it's more interesting than when you'll get out of CGI.
0: But. Well, part of, you know, part of the thing is that, um, and that's a Phil Tippett model, that you've, if you ever visit the studio over there in Berkeley, you can see the RoboCop, uh, whatever model that was, that made it. And it's actually pretty big. Um, they wanted to, there's a couple of things. They wanted to make sure that all the articulation worked and that when it actually walked, when they did the, the stop mo of it, that uh, it looked like it was working. And it actually did because they needed it to, you know, a leg needed to move and stand and, and balance it so that it didn't just fall over. And that's what the problem is with a lot of the CG stuff is that, you know, you, it doesn't, there would be no way that it would physically work in the environment that oh, that's there. Oh, interesting.
1: That it's ignoring gravity because yeah. of its structure and how it would stand.
3: Well, that's what makes like the Pixar movies look so good. Is they actually do that kind of stuff to like yeah. figure out not just like how would hair move in this situation and make things look like there's a weight to them and they're not just sort of lifelessly floating in space.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's the power of a marquette. You know where they actually have to carve out of clay <laughs> what the thing is. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were just going to use your hands. That's the
2: technical. That's the jargon (laughs) term for. It's a marquette, right? So they
0: basically take whatever they're going to draw, and uh, animate, and then have a physical model of it. It Goes way back.
2: uh, It was probably invented at Disney. Wow. Where they wanted to know what the shape those those things were. And so Tippett also, it's funny that you mentioned because all of a sudden it conjures up like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, like labyrinth and dragon slayer. And some of these old sort of, you know, because he was a puppeteer originally, yeah. wasn't he? And so he's done a lot of those really old school. Puppeteer, model maker, uh, that
0: kind of thing. Okay. And, you know, he's he's been, well, you know, everyone gives credit to George Lucas for wanting to make the cranes over in Oakland uh-huh. to walk. That's not Lucas because he didn't live there. He lived up in Marin and he never saw them on his way to work. That's Phil Tippett going, hey, what if we made those walk? Wow. So it's just a miscredited just quote. Getting on the shit on George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> God, I hate that fucking. <laughs> so one time,
3: George Lucas cut me off at a red light. He would do that. <laughs> I hear he actually.
2: So who was telling me? Somebody who lives up there said that he actually lives in a pretty modest home. It's an it's an old Victorian that I guess he's just sort of restored, but it's yeah, not, it's, a- it's not this kind of like, you know, you think he'd live on some compound with. Well, that's what, but
0: that's what Skywalker Ranch is—some compound on the moon. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So the office is that extravagant. Uh Oh, this is where I'd like to live, kind of thing. You know, he does so.
2: Right. So basically, he does live there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, if you're driving
1: between San Rafael and and San Anselmo, you go, oh, that—that's. George Lucas' big white Victorian. Oh,
3: is that right? Yeah. Oh, no kidding. I We're know. ready for George Lucas's like stormtroopers slash lawyers to break through the window yeah, and SWAT and, uh, team right. and kill us right now just for <laughs> saying these things. Well,
0: they're like 70 minutes away. So if
3: we... we have total that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the first well, 20 well...
0: minutes coming out Lucas Valley Road is a little bit of a tough drive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although he's done it so many times, uh, and the stormtroopers behind him. Yes. That...
2: Yeah, but we have <laughs> Carrie... nailed down.
0: We have Carrie Fisher on our side. You
1: have to... If you haven't... Uh, uh, what's it called her autobiography and then she did a show in Berkeley based on it and Wist,
3: Wistful Drinking or
1: uh, Wishful Drinking Wishful Drinking oh, yeah. yeah and she's talking about the first Star Wars and she's like 19 and, and George is like I, you, you, you can't wear a bra you can't wear a bra under that why uh, there are no bras in space <laughs> no
3: way George uh, Lucas is a pervert <laughs> that's
1: what Carrie Fisher said in her, in her, autobi- in her autobiography Although she didn't talk about beer.
3: She didn't talk about all the coke she did in... Uh, she alluded uh, to a
1: lot of that stuff.
3: Empire Strikes Back, though.
2: <laughs> Is that true? Is that like, was she like sort of the John Belushi of the... Uh, of the
3: Intergalactic uh, Empire? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it was the 80s. Very true. Well, well, wasn't it wasn't the future bad? of anywhere as gold bikinis. you know, so. Yeah, cause around.
0: gold is just so plentiful.
3: <laughs> well, they cut it off all the old computers they recycled. All... on the Cray, meltdown, bring the technician. The technician has to die with it. Obviously.
1: You know, so... I, I probably have a thousand dollars in leftover, broken down gold-tipped uh, Sony headphone jacks. <laughs> is
3: that your retirement plan?
1: Yeah.
0: So I'm saving them all in a drawer. You're <laughs> listening to Beer School. We're here to help you and your friends learn to like more than one kind of beer. There's lots of beers to like. Some beer is made right down the street from where you live, and others have to travel all the way from... Where did you brew it? San Leandro? San Leandro, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Learn why beer tastes like it does, how other styles came about, and all of the things that are old and oak. The best part about beer school is... The homework! The homework (laughs) is beer. TM.
1: GM. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, my lawyer. My lawyer says we have to actually do that because we we've used that so many times that kind of is our TM.
2: If yeah, it were. If, if you've actually used it on the air and people know about it, you technically own the trademark. Yeah,
0: for I know. It. The other one is when I put in the Twitter you know, I'm drinking something awesome, get here, and that should be a TM also. But I'm like, no, I want the world to know, you know, to tell people, get here. That's right. So um, speaking of get here, uh, Jesse Friedman has brought some other things with us, or with him today. um, And he's going to talk about this wonderful, amazing prototype bottle.
3: You can't see this right now, but he's showing me the bottle, (laughs) which is funny, because I know what it looks like, uh, (laughs) because I helped make it. Uh, But let's introduce ourselves here. Uh, Damien, why don't you introduce yourself?
2: Hi, I'm Damien Fagan. I'm uh, the other half of Old Oak, and uh, indeed, I'm actually uh, largely responsible. I can show you the bottle, uh... too. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. I like that. Um, Yeah, so I'm the other half of this, and I certainly helped and collaborated with Jesse on the bottle design jesse can tell you a little more about uh who we are and, and uh the origins of old oak
0: well the interesting i'm going to just talk a little bit about what how i met you uh oh. i don't remember exactly where i was but this guy shows up with the camera and he's like you know shooting this food in every different way possible and he's holding this bottle and moving a little bit and he oh, the fork needs to go here and I'm like this over I mean, here,
3: extremely obnoxious dinner date, it's yeah. True.
0: And it's like, ooh, this isn't right. And then you move the mashed potatoes just a little bit more, and he's like, ooh, that actually looks good. Bite, put it back. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we eat some masticated beef next to these
0: mashed potatoes, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and they're like, Huh, he's really serious about that. And then the next day somebody sends off a link and there's those pretty pictures. Like, wow, okay. So the obsessive compulsive moving the potatoes around actually worked.
3: <laughs> now there's a trademark I could actually use. <laughs> Beer and Nosh, obsessively moving potatoes around on the plate <laughs> since two thousand three. Has it been since two thousand three? Uh no, that's not true at all. It's been how long it's have like, been doing? three years. About three years. Yeah, two thousand seven yeah. when you started? Something like that. Yeah. So I don't know I just went back and looked and like totaled it up that i've had I think I've done something two hundred and something odd posts okay. over the time, and I think I'm just hitting the uh one thousand comment mark as well wow, which is which is nice so but yeah so i write uh i write dot com uh, where I do lots of uh photo- food photography beer photography, beer porn pictures as well as uh write about beer and food pairings and beer and you know, any, it's a soapbox, and anything else that sort of strikes my fans, you know, I'm interested in doing. And I've also been uh, planning beer dinners and executing beer dinners and working with local chefs. And now uh, with Damien, we're, we're transitioning from the sort of armchair quarterback uh, critiquing of the beer world to uh, really trying to make a solid contribution of our own. Uh, so we're started, Old Oak is our, is our new brewing venture. I feel like we're explaining all of this completely backwards. Why? Like I don't know. Well, we should
0: open the beer first. We should right?
3: open. Let's start. Let's start with the beer, and then we'll talk a little bit about okay. uh, what we're drinking and how it came to be. Awesome.
1: I just had this desire to to pull out my my eye touch and start showing pictures that I took food on my
3: trip. That plays <laughs> great
1: on radio. <laughs> that that really kills. On we're that, well known. On radio. Beer School is well known for really using every uh, possible media. Every good. wrong possible <laughs> media. Well,
0: we've we've. Once we talked about doing a show called Mime School, which was just
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. a laugh track.
2: <laughs> well, the dance that Jesse and I choreographed for this uh, com- will completely fall for that dance. Yeah. So.
0: so the bottle that Jesse just opened is this uh, white PE or clear PET bottle, I guess is the best way to describe it. That's so actually, it's, a, it's a used it's soda bottle. It's a, bottle, a yeah. used soda yeah. bottle. And it has the, the funky top... Uh, the filler top and uh, it 's very well carbonated, so it almost looked like it was going to uh, explode out of there that 's
1: why I ran off to the paper towel stash
0: this yeah. is a This is a really good home brewer trick is to use uh, old uh, water bottles soda bottles
3: well yeah so the 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 cap is a special cap that actually is the same it 's an actually an inval for a corny light soda system, which is what a lot of homebrewers like myself use for. Once your home brewing habit gets a little out of control and you're brewing a lot, you realize that that bottling is just an enormous pain in the ass. Yeah. And that if you were to keg your beer, it's like bottling, only you only have to do one and you never have to scrub labels off anymore, which right. is the real, the real, for me, the real thing that drives me nuts. That's whenever, when people volunteer to like help me bottle and stuff, I'm like, ha, ha. We're going to be scrubbing labels. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is, you can put, so you, you keg it, and then you can actually, this soda bottle, you put on there, and you can actually hook it up. So you put the beer in, and then you can actually just top off the CO2 on there. And actually, what's doing really now, nice, you can put beer flat in there, put under like 30 PSI. Carbonate it. And then go ahead and force carbonate it that way. So anyway, so what, let me tell you, so Old Oak Beer Company, so it's a brand new venture from, Damien and I are doing this together, we're partners in this. Um, and we are aimed at creating beers really inspired and for the uh, local San Francisco and Bay Area beer culture uh, and food culture and trying to bring those things together and take, you know, this amazing, you know, sort of Alice Waters inspired local seasonal farm driven cuisine and take that approach and bring it into the beer and really try and collaborate with the local community and create, like I said, a beer aimed at all of those wonderful restaurants. And you know, we always say we you go to these great restaurants with really thoughtful, interesting wine lists and really uninteresting, sad beer choices. <laughs> um, and there's, I mean, there's, there are there's, you know, I mean, and I don't want to complain. but
0: whose but whose fault is that? Is that just because there that beer has always been considered the pedestrian, uninspired, you know, common thing, or is that that we haven't told people these restaurants that they need to step up their beer?
3: I I think I think it's both. I think it's both, and I think there's a culture also of, you know, a very, very few restaurants have a full-time Cicerone, you know, which is the beer equivalent of a sommelier, uh, and they have, you know, sommeliers are versed in, they're brought in to work on the wine, and that's where certainly where an enormous profit margin is for a lot of these places as well. And beer is unfortunately just relegated as an sure. afterthought.
2: I mean, the sort of concept of, you know you know, pairing beer with food, um in in a broader sense i mean obviously beer geeks and beer enthusiasts you know are certainly aware of that and there are plenty of beers out there um you know that we know is is sort of you know beer advocates ourselves that that go well with food but in terms of bringing that to the the attention of the sort of larger populace is you know it it is definitely something that's that's sort of gone you know under the radar and and, uh, you know as jesse said you know it's it's very easy to find you know even even a you know, a modestly good restaurant uh, with a pretty extensive wine list, and it's interesting that beer has not, you know, taken on the same evolution, and, and it really has in a lot of ways, you know, when you talk to sort of your average beer drinker, um, you know, it has been sort of relegated to, you know, sort of a lower status, and you know, part of what we wanted to do is, you know, sort of our part of elevating beer to the dinner table, officially.
3: And, and, and giving it sort of its equal equal share of, uh, of mind space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so to that end, what we're doing, so we are pr- producing, in that spirit, we're producing uh, seasonal only beers. Every beer we're producing is a seasonal unique product. Uh, and we are brewing, uh, they're all one-offs, and every beer is a collaboration with a local farm. And so we work with that farm and integrate the product, a, a seasonal product from them into the beer. Uh, so what you're tasting right here is a barrel sample of our first release. It is assuming all of our, our mountain of paperwork goes through in a timely fashion. Uh, it should be out in mid-December. Uh, we're in the process of getting all that approved right now. So what you're drinking here is what is a, uh, what we call like a California-styled golden strong ale. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a golden ale brewed with uh, pilsner, wheat, and turo, And then it is hopped with magnum and citra hops. Comes in around eight uh, percent alcohol, and so we brew a you know a, a, you know a fairly straightforward classic beer. Start with a really good base beer because that is you know absolutely essential. Mm-hmm. And in this case, we then added two hundred and fifty pounds of blackberries. Uh, from Sonoma County we got them from the Sebastopol Berry Farm we drove up there ourselves we the whole thing had to be timed just right so we drove up there and you know with berries the season lasts you know a week for each different one and so what you what you've got here is a beer that really captures the second week of July of this year and so we picked up uh, over 200 pounds of fresh uh, Cherokee blackberries and then 50 pounds of mixed of uh, Marion berries a berries and what else is in there poison berries poison berries, yeah. berries and so and so all of that then the beer is then blended in unfiltered the beer and the berries are put into used red wine barrels from California and then we allow that yeast to chew through uh, the sugars in the berries and so what we're looking for in terms of a final product is uh, we want it to be very dry and very crisp and food friendly and we don't want it to be a really fruity beer we want it to be a beer with an accent of fruit. But at its core, it's still, you know, really a classically Belgian-inspired beer. And it's not purple. And it's... It's, it's,
1: <laughs> it's, 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 yeah. the, it's not a golden purple ale. Again, radio-focused.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's actually, there's a very slight rose color. Um, so this is a barrel sample, And what's been really interesting, actually, is when we first pull it out, it's a lot pinker mm-hmm. than what you're seeing right now. And I think there's some particulate from, from the wine barrel that actually drops out over time. And you smell berries in the nose. You don't yeah, taste absolutely. take as much, well, much feel you smell. Free, feel free to give me some notes here on on how this beer tastes. I mean Well, the
0: first my first uh uh taste there was a it was very tart. It Had a, you know, the 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 smile effect that happens when you're like, "Ooh, tart," you know, like <laughs> pulling my face back a little bit. And that's not I'm okay, I'm over exaggerating because I'm using my words, but that was the, the that was the initial. And then uh and then I then, you know, once that that pucker factor goes away uh, all those flavors start to come out um, and it may just be the that it's a barrel sample mm-hmm. you know that the wine's coming through uh, the sharpness of the red wine
2: yeah you definitely get you know the, the sort of venous quality of the of the red wine for sure um, in fact I get it more on the palate than I do in the nose yeah there's nothing
0: in the nose but it, that's because that's all berries at least what I'm getting
1: yeah, I picked a lot of Sonoma County berries as a kid. Oh, yeah. yeah. We were talking about... Do, with... do not fear the thorns. If you fear the thorns, you're going to get pricked. <laughs> if you wear shorts and a short sleeve shirt, you're fine just walking straight into the berries because they respect you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> was, uh, when I spent some time in Seattle, the, there's raspberry bushes all over up there. And you can, uh, at some point during the summer, take a bucket and, or a, whatever your vessel is and pull them off take them home and motor was like yeah i never got them home
3: yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah when we visited we visited the farm so it's a very it's a 11 acre really small farm that's not big 11 small yeah yeah it's a little teeny totally family run uh two generations of the family run it uh the parents are the owners and sort of caretakers of the farm and their kids all work together so they're at uh farmers markets all over the bay area and usually you're going to get a family member there selling them to you, but it was great because the whole time we toured what we the sort of the way they they as you walk they have blackberries and uh and raspberries and blueberries, uh, blueberries. Yeah. and the blueberries were just you know exploding off those bushes while we were there, so as we walk around, you just you know as you talk, you just reach over, grab a small handful of blueberries, snack on those, try some of this, and so they gave us a you know a really outstanding tour and showed us all the ground so they are a partially organic certified, mm-hmm. uh, but none. They don't use any uh, pesticides at all or anything like that. So they're really, really the kind of farm that you know when you imagine what you want these farms to be like. You know when you think about, uh, re- and it's really in vogue these days for restaurants to list their list right on the menu, you know, which farms they're working with to do it. Right. And so that's, a, you know, another example we're bringing. We want actually want to really, you know, elevate and talk about the farms and talk about the places where these ingredients are coming from as part of it. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean,
2: they, they were really the perfect fit. I mean, uh, you can actually, on our website, uh, we have a blog post up there about the farm. and you can What's actually, that website address, Damien? Yeah. That would be oldoakbeer.com. Oh, here's a
0: picture uh, of the of the family. Yeah, so that's yeah. the
2: family. It's the Vigil family, um, and uh, as Jesse mentioned, they're a, a second generation Mexican American family that um, has this beautiful little plot of land, eleven acres. Um, and it was just so endearing to go up there. They were so sweet and welcoming, and they gave us a tour of the entire farm, and uh, it was really just special. And you could tell, you know, it was a family owned operation and you know, the whole family's involved, and it was just – it really seemed to sort of fit our ethos perfectly, and um, was, they were just really great to work with.
0: Let's talk about the the, uh, the beer, uh, the making – oh, here, look at this. So you can't see yes. this. <laughs> on, the, on the radio. We see <laughs> it a lot. <laughs> look, at, look, look at this. At this. <laughs> look at this. No, this is a – Oh, my gosh. This, this is, is wonderful. <laughs> this is a wonderful shot of the berries, uh, and they look like they're not quite ripe yet.
3: Well, those so, weren't so the berries we used. So it, I know, but uh, I'm well, saying it's, it's not the it's berries Actually, it's, for. it's
2: interesting because when we showed up uh, to pick up the berries, they had literally picked um, the 250-some-odd pounds of berries the night before. And uh, as we went across the street from where we actually were, were originally parked, um, there were very few ripe berries left, and we were told that they were all picked for us. We cleaned mm-hmm. them out. We literally so. cleaned them out. Wow. Um, and, so what
0: happens when you outgrow them?
2: Well, we're going to work with we're going to work with different farms. I understand. Over I was making so, it was
0: yeah. big. like these <laughs> poor know, wh- people wh- are like, hey, we can't sell at farmers markets anymore. You
1: just drive down the road,
3: and just pick them off the side
0: of the road. Because you know Damien I mean, and, and Jesse bought sale, our farm. Highway
3: one sixteen <laughs> berries. You know at the stage we're at, well, right now we'll settle for get our first beer on the market. We'll worry about putting far, you know. We'll yeah. have, we'll well, yeah, what having, happens? Yeah. When you, we'll worry about having yeah, to buy yeah. our own farm later. Yeah. That's, what that's happens when you outgrow your suppliers? Can we get yeah. to that? It's, it's, speaking of problems, I hope I have one day. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, that's always, you know, this is a.
1: How does
3: the ATF like the artwork? <laughs> <laughs>
0: this is this is always a problem when we talk about uh, uh, we talk about local farms and and sustainable and the whole thing is like what happens when this becomes so popular that those little farms can't sustain. They'll get bigger. Well, they will get bigger, but at you know, at what cost to the what cost to the product?
3: They'll get bigger and more and more farms too. I mean because the way I mean the way a lot of these huge agro businesses work is that the actual farm itself is actually still owned by a family. But they are then in contract with Mondesanto and things like that as well. Right. So you're actually seeing farms revert back to this older method. And if you want to hear more about that, you know, just read some Michael Pollan or something like yeah, that. Yeah, go see okay. Food Inc. Food <coughs> Inc, yeah. There's a lot of stuff out there on that. So. But we can talk more about the beer and Food Inc.
0: So. Well, let's talk about the beer. Um, so you've made um, the hops were which? Citra and? Magnum magnum.
3: We used just a touch of magnum for bittering. Uh, We really like the clean flavor back in there. And then we really wanted a um, we really wanted a really citrusy, lemony bite. So what you're actually tasting here, so we have our beer, our uh, beer is resting in wine barrels right now. Uh, There's 15 barrels of uh, beer barrels in wine barrels. Uh, of the beer, and so uh, we're actually, the final product will be 50% barrel-aged and 50% fresh beer, and that's by design because we want some of that fresh, hoppy aroma and balance, and we're brewing it with a lot of these citra hops, really added at the end, and really focusing on that great aroma without too much bitterness.
1: Mm -hmm. So is this the blend, or is this just the barrel?
3: This is is an unblended single barrel, and actually, what, what you're actually tasting right here is going to be, we're going to do a very, very limited run of kegs. Uh, that will, you know, send for, you know, cause it's, you know, we're aiming at the restaurant market, but we're both just such, you know, unabashed beer geeks at heart. And we're like, well, if we're gonna do this, we have to do something specifically aimed, you know, thinking of the beer community. And, you know, the way we approach everything we do is, uh, what would I be excited about to try? So what you're tasting here is uh, we're gonna have a super limited run, probably about eight five-gallon kegs of a single barrel unblended version, mm-hmm. and that's actually what you're tasting right here. Okay. Um, and then all of the bottles will be the blend, the final blended version. Yeah. So the, you know the, the flavors
2: obviously will change a little right. and evolve, and of course with bottle conditioning, there'll be another layer of complexity added to it. So uh, you know it'll it'll be interesting to well, see. Yes.
0: <laughs> well, and it won't have that that tart flavor. Because it'll be balanced out with the fifty,
3: absolutely f- with the blend, no doubt. And then, our, yeah, and then our malt, our malt bill is actually just a really classic. Uh, as a re- you know, we look towards sort of really classic Belgian style brewing. So it's about forty percent wheat, mm-hmm. uh, and then two row and pilsner malt. So really, really classic. To really design to allow the yeast to to work its magic.
1: smells sort of like a berry honey. I was just um, back from a trip to Germany. There will be another beer school, Motor on Special Assignment in Germany. We can do a special beer school on that. But at some of the breakfast, you'd get five different kinds of honey you could try. And you really just side by side, just like they had a berry berry honey.
0: And it was
3: a lot like this. I love blackberry honey. You can get those at some of the farmer's markets around here. Yeah.
0: So, Jesse, John, you were sitting around one night drinking some barrel aged thing, and you said, "You know what? We can make our own beer." Is that what? Is that the inspiration you of know, this? the
3: way the way this actually started is that um, I've been I've been doing beer and nosh for a while, and I you know originally it was just you know writing about home brewing, writing about beer and stuff, and then it moved into doing beer dinners, and then from there I was really feeling antsy in terms of I wanted to do more. I wanted to move to creating and producing. And Damien and I originally met through our homebrew club. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Damien is, it's worth mentioning, an extremely talented homebrewer in his own right. Uh, in fact, he opened up a three-year-old uh, Belgian double-style beer uh, the other night that was really exceptional. Um, thank you. Thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, he's, it's uh, a uh, home-listening home audience. He's got a great big smile. Yeah. Right um...
3: And so you know we we uh, we became friends, and the two of us started. You know we we were actually it we started with we want to do a project together, and we want to do something really tied to the community. And we looked at a bunch of different things. We looked at you know uh, you know a brew pub, a uh, a some sort of cafe, some sort of homebrew store. We looked at a bunch of different things and ways to integrate into the community, and then it really just actually was like so the co- sort of that core concept of. Uh, beer inspired community driven definitely food related uh, definitely tied to the kind of you know creative modern beer stuff that we're so excited by right now and then so we all these ideas were floating around and then like a bolt of lightning, it was like you know and actually the the idea came out almost fully formed in terms of we want to do a a beer you know that it works with these local communities and we looked at it as this is something that it's one of those things where no one is doing it right now. But as soon as you hear, at least for me, as soon as the the I heard you hear the idea, you think, "Well, that's obvious. <laughs> I mean, how how could you not be yeah. doing something like that?" Right. And and it really, you know, and it really the response so far we've been we've been, as we've talked to local restaurants and things like that is has been extremely enthusiastic. Mm-hmm.
0: Well how could you not do something? It's complicated, that's why
2: it turns out it's it's
3: Starting a brewery is a huge pain in the ass. It's incredibly
2: yeah. complicated. But you know, it's it's interesting, you know, sort of hearing it, you know, um you know, from Jesse's, you know, I remember when we were talking about um, you know, may, let's open a you know a homebrew shop, maybe let's open a cafe or geez, you know, if you really want to think crazy, let's maybe try and open either a restaurant or or a brew pub. But you know the reality was is you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's almost like every beer geek really wants to make beer. And and I think, you know, we kind of got through that relatively quickly and just, you know, just realized, you know, we really want to make beer. You know, we want to own a brewery. Mm-hmm. And and everything else sort of felt like a half step towards that. And, you know, after you do, you know, your initial research and you realize how much work goes into making any of those things real, um, we just said, you know, let's go all in and let's do this. and right. uh, and, and so...
0: Well, you know, to open a production brewery is about $750,000 just to open the door. Yeah, which Not... I
3: had on me conveniently <laughs> when we when – we, no. Oh, no. well. Well, well, yeah. well, crap. Let's just make a brewery. And then Jesse know. got mugged on the way out the door. And, You're um, walking down the street with two big sacks with dollar dollar signs on them. Well, and so, you, so you've so you actually done
0: done it in an interesting way. So instead of having to raise three-quarters of a million dollars, you've, you've – uh, uh, done the next best thing, which is, you know, throw down your credit cards and buy some barrels and get some Citra hops. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so. And make a label, and, I, and there you go. I mean, I'm oversimplifying it, but it's. I, I wasn't you forgot to buy the bottles part. Oh, yeah. The, well, no, that's just go oh, to Cal we Glass. That. Yeah. No, that's, that's call Cal Glass, tell them to deliver the bottles to here.
3: Well, you know, so so the approach we've done is we we are producing, you know, relatively speaking, extraordinarily small amounts of beer. Um, Yeah, it looks like you're doing 30 barrels total. Yeah, we're doing each release is thirty barrels, which is going to work out to about give or take four hundred cases or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, this is it's a one-off, so you know, get it. Hopefully, you know, we'll, so far the response has been enthusiastic. But we're also, so we are actually we're doing what you'd call uh, partner brewing mm-hmm. or gypsy brewing if you're feeling romantic about gypsy it, brewing. Um, which is borrowing where, a brewery. And It's actually a better way to borrowing, right. borrowing a hey, brewery. <laughs> hey guys, do you mind if I just use this for a little while? I know that here? you're
0: not using a third shift. I noticed that.
3: <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, uh, so what we're doing is, uh, and actually, it's fun because when I explain this to, uh, when I talk to uh, you know beer people about it, I, you explain as contract brewing, and then when you talk to um, restaurants about it, I say, well, it's the brewing equivalent of a pop up restaurant. You know, it's the brewing equivalent of a food cart um, for what we're doing. So. Uh, but you know the the term contract brewing I think has a, has an awfully bad rap because when you talk about contract brewing, really what you what people envision is things like you know Trader Joe's brand beer where you just say hey brew a beer for me and, or Sam Adams yeah well they got yeah <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, this, yeah. oh this, yeah, this, yeah them yeah. <laughs> brew this beer for me and uh, and throw our label on it and and what we've done is you know we're we're taking a extremely hands on approach. Uh, So the recipe that we brewed was a scaled-up version that Damien and I developed over many, many five-gallon homebrew batches. And then we were, for what you're drinking now, we were on-site. We are brewing uh, using the space at Drake's Brewing Mm -hmm. in San Leandro. Uh, and the best brewery in a Walmart parking lot I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they've they've actually they've been just, you know, they've got extremely talented brewers and they're they're excited about what we're doing as we, they're just as excited about it as we are. And they've been they've been a real pleasure to work with. Uh but they
0: actually have so much space there that you know, that your eight barrels or ten barrels that are sitting there would not even get would not even dent it. I, oh
1: yeah, I haven't been over since since uh, it changed hands. But I heard there's more stuff in
0: there. There's less. Oh <laughs> there's quite a bit. Yeah, no, it's less. And I need
1: to make it over because they're doing the they're doing the sideshow again, but they don't call it the sideshow anymore.
0: That's good. They shouldn't call it yeah. that. <laughs> Should never called it. They, that. <laughs> they tighten
1: they tighten the reins on that little event. But um, my question was going to be, what has been? What have you gone through with scaling up your recipe? What was the largest batch you made before you went to 30 barrels? And what did you do to get to 30 barrels? Uh, Five gallons Uh was the largest batch of...
3: Well, I mean, I've I've done group home brews where we brewed something like 30 gallons or something like that. But me personally, the largest I'd ever brewed uh, was a... What I was really responsible for was a five-gallon batch. So, and that's where, you know, uh, we are not uh, brewmasters. I don't claim to be. I don't pretend to be. We are... Unequ- My dream was not to be a brewmaster. My dream was to be a brewery owner, because being a brewmaster, it turns out, is a warehouse job in you, a lot of ways. You got to wear those rubber boots all the wear time. Those rubber Probably boots. get some those fungus. Cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is awkward. They just they brew only wearing rubber boots over.
1: So, there, did you actually, like so. talk talk to one of the brewers over there and say, "This is what we're doing. This is how we've done it." Because it's from what I've heard, it's a difficult process. Sometimes it's not just multiply everything by by ten,
2: by ten, or it, by hundred. It absolutely is, and that's where, <laughs> and
3: that's that's really where you know we are really relying on the expertise of the the brewmasters they have there.
2: Yeah, and, and and it was a series of you know it, it happened probably you know in, in particular you know speaking to the recipe development, you know probably took three months of of five or six you know separate meetings and tastings with uh, with the brewers. Um, and and sort of developing that, so it was absolutely a process, and and obviously it, it is it is much different going from five gallons on your stovetop to you know thirty barrels in a in a commercial system. Um, but
1: you also have an advantage with what you're doing because you're blending something, so you're not going to have something saying, okay, this is what I made at home on the stove, and this is what's made in the factory, and it's not blended. There's nothing else added. You're not doing just a straight beer, you're your, not your doing blending small, and you know, doing all this other stuff, up. so you're building a base and then adding to it.
3: Absolutely. And and the, for us, uh, the blending process gives us another opportunity to put our stamp you know, that makes sure it has our signature on it, and this is a product that we really, really believe exactly. in. Exactly. So you're smart that way. Well, we try. <laughs> I mean, we're, we can't be that smart. We're starting a brewery. so. <laughs> Yeah, when you're flying the
0: JBF
1: in your corporate jet in a couple of years, right, you know. Right, right. <laughs> there better
3: be room on that jet
0: for us. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm going to have to put wings on that 90 uh 98 Taurus I'm driving. No, well, I'm but it's almost
0: a jet, you know, cuz the all it's it's very the truity. all curvy version of the Taurus. Where they really, I don't know what the goal of that Taurus was. To, be, you know, be, to make it so that it's not so much of a box.
1: Ford came up with the brilliant idea with the Taurus that at, until the Taurus came out, all American cars were square and boxy. Yeah. yeah. And all of a sudden you looked at the Taurus and it was like, whoa, somebody has a French curve. Well, well I remember <laughs> in,
2: in, in 1998, I remember when that car came out and my dad bought it um, to hand me down. He sold it to me for a buck um, when I moved to California. But... Um, and I remember thinking it was very space aged for a family mid-sized sedan, and, and back then it was absolutely sort of like wow. And you know, I think for Ford it was their it was their biggest selling car of all time, and uh, they killed it for a few years um, to, to large public outcry, and it, it's back now. But you can spend uh, I think you can spend fifty thousand dollars on a new Ford Taurus these days. Um,
1: we'll let you use the world's greatest bottle opener ever. Oh. Does
2: it cut through <laughs> the wax?
1: It could. It's got it's got a replaceable the part that pries the cap off is replaceable.
3: <laughs> it's very fancy. This this bottle opener, uh since you can't see it, uh weighs like hundred and fifty pounds. <laughs> um and is made out of what looks to be some sort of endangered species of elk. <laughs> so uh but yeah, so actually, and you know, one of the other things, and we're going to talk a little uh, talk a little about about the visuals of the bottle, actually, because this is something that a lot of beer people, you know, love to, you know, folk. I mean, obviously, what is in the bottle is incredibly important, but looking at sort of the range of beer that's out there, one of the things that we really said was we think we can raise the bar and raise the conversation in terms of how beer is perceived as a luxury product, mm-hmm. and its place in a, you know stylish, hip restaurants as well by doing more with the design and the ethos and really making sure that the outside of the bottle properly reflects what's on the inside of the bottle. A,
0: a good example is uh, a lot of the beers that come over from Belgium, the Belgian-style beers. Yeah. They have this taped-on label that looks like it was... That looks like it was made with a, uh, a a color photocopier and or even worse, it looks like it 's forty years old, and you know there 's no story there 's no marketing there's no um, there's nothing that's makes that bottle more compelling over say that bottle over there
3: yeah, and we don't and we don 't i want to be clear, I do not think. Marketing is a replacement for a great product. Okay, at all.
0: well, I used, uh, maybe I used the wrong word. Oh, no, when no, I no use because the those word... beers are great. Yeah. You,
3: you, I mean, you can have a, you know, a, a, you can have great marketing and a not so great product and say a Super Bowl ad. Right. Um, but we wanted to have a, a great product matched with great design right. as well.
0: Well, so part of it is, is uh, I guess the word I was looking for is the story. So when you look at, um, uh, some of the the bottles that have just a monk on them and he's, like, all happy. Right. Like, I would never buy that beer uh, compared to, say, um, the Firestone Walker uh, 13. Right. Just because the two look, totally, you different. know, totally different. And this beer looks like, you know, has the promise of looking like it's going to be awesome. Whereas this beer, it looks like children made it. <laughs> well,
2: um, when you speak to a very real sort of sort of dilemma, and I think um, issue with you know the sort of you know our, our, our sort of modern world and the and the saturation with just about any kind of product is is that um, you know it you know and let's speak you know specifically to beer, you can have an amazing beer, and there are tons of amazing beers out there. Um, you know, what's in the bottle is fantastic, but it's not necessarily reflected in the label. And from sort of a marketing and, you know, branding, if you sort of break it down to that is, you know, when, when your beer is on the shelf with 500 other beers in some cases, you know, um, and, and let's say somebody isn't familiar with your product, um, you know, it's, it's a real challenge to get them to stop and actually take a look, even for a split second at your beer and so it's really important It was really important for us to to really tell a story with our label and to sort of invoke um you know the kind of feeling and formality that we feel that you know hopefully our beer actually will will represent and um you're absolutely right i mean you know whether it's coming from you know europe or belgium specifically and you know there are sort of countless other i think beers you know personally i'm, I'm a graphic designer you know sort of you
0: can tell you know, so you look at this Right part here. <laughs> they, they, they can't. They can't see that at home. Okay. Yeah. Part of that was being f- was for your
2: benefit. Uh, well, thank you for yeah. noticing. Um, but yeah, you know, we, I, we just we paid a lot of attention to detail. Uh, you know, you know, as you just pointed out, it's sort of a flourish, and you know, it's representative of uh, actually, in particular, a specific era. You know, the late nineteenth, early twentieth century when. Um, a lot of this kind of thing was actually done by hand, and that was the the feeling we wanted to invoke. Was is that there was a lot of time and craft put into the beer, and again, from a presen- presentation standpoint, you know, when this is sort of put in front of you, or you're, you're looking at a, a beer cooler, you know, it stands out as something to, to stop and really consider. So the, that was really the sort of driving idea behind, um, you know, uh, the label and the overall aesthetic of Old Oak. You know, personally, I'm 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 sort of drawn to that you know, late uh, 19th century, early 20th century aesthetic where things were engraved and and woodcut. Um, And and I just like the formality behind it. You know, the the, the sort of underlying idea as well was, um, you know, we wanted to sort of marry the idea of a beer label with a wine label and sort of a Scotch or whiskey label. And, you know, you can't really tell with the comp in front of you, but there will be foil stamping, and uh, you know it, it'll be a molded foil stamp. So there'll be a lot of texture to it. It's uh, it's really well, gonna be nice. Well,
3: why don't not you describe the label a little bit? So it's, it's, it's green. Paint okay, paint me a word. Picture. All right, so paint here, me a word so picture.
0: here's I'm gonna do it. Okay, the top of the label is the Connecticut quarter.
3: <laughs> is that right?
0: Yeah. The, so the back of the Connecticut, I think it's Connecticut. The
3: state of Connecticut ripped us off.
0: I think it is Connecticut. Yeah, it's Connecticut. It's got this really cool uh, engraved tree on the top, and it's my favorite quarter of all the
1: states. Oh, right? I like yeah. the one with the all bridge.
3: Right. We're all reaching in our pockets trying <laughs> see, to find quarters. quarters. Somehow, I don't think Let's I have.
1: One. One. Yeah. Washington's got a fish in Mount Rainier.
0: And, uh, uh, but <laughs> uh, Louisiana is a cabbage. It's actually a magnolia, but it looks I'll like say. a cabbage. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I only have nickels in my pocket. At well, okay, so I don't have any money in my pocket. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have any money either. That's what there, happens when you start? It, a
0: there might be one of those quarters around here, and then the next uh, it says "Farm to Barrel" on the next part, TM, uh, and then the next thing is "Old Oak," and it's in an old English style lettering, like you had the fat, wide pen, and you were writing it. Although it's even more stylized than just uh, old English, but it has that it has that. Uh, uh, air to it then it has the name uh of when it was brewed summer 2010 although that will change from time to time is this label going to get different colors for yeah, different yeah
2: so, so so one of the things is 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 that each each release will actually have the same basic structure the same shape the same general uh art underlying it but it will change color from 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 uh, release to release cool
0: so then the next thing is, to, dis- uh, is the description of the beer Belgian style golden ale brewed with four varieties of Sonoma County blackberries and then there's definition of Sonoma County blackberries and then it says aged in oak alcohol ABV and IBUs or IBU not ABU so there is a right there's that and then uh, story of a little bit of the story of uh, Old Oak the brewing the brewing company and then a barrel.
3: Oh, we packed a lot on there. That's yeah, great. it's awesome, yeah. <laughs> actually.
0: No, so it's the whole story. I mean, you would learn everything about that, uh, about this product just by reading the label.
2: Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, again, it, sort of, we, it was important to us to sort of communicate our story in a way that was easy to read and, and sort of quick. You know, once you pick this up, you can, you can sort of get a sense of who we are and, and sort of what we're about. And, um, and uh, it was important to get all of that on there. And then, obviously, on the back, we have uh, a little bit uh, more of a story about. Yeah, and
0: then they're showing here. their geek cred on the bottom.
2: <laughs> yes, with your bit
3: of technology there. Yeah, there's a
0: bit of technology on the back. So yeah,
3: we have a uh, we have what's called a QR code, which most people know as the things the little the little square barcode kind of checkerboard patterns that you come on UPS. Packages. So basically,
0: you aim your camera at the bottle, and uh, <laughs>
3: there's somebody. My mother's out there with a kodak instamatic like what? <laughs> what? what what is this word? That's <laughs> happening <Yeah. laughs> the key is to shake the photo after you take it and oh okay so, but yeah so okay. actually shake when that's gonna that's actually it. going to uh that's going to then go to specific tasting notes uh uh-huh. and cheese pairing recommendations for the beer as well as we are working with local chefs for each release to create pairings to go specifically with uh, each beer. So we've already worked Finally with uh, we've taken some of our barrel samples to uh, some local restaurants that the kind of you know again it's it's all about the kind of places that we love to eat and the places we're excited to for our beer to be served. Hey in,
0: so. went to the right page.
3: Yeah. Coming soon. <laughs> we're not that's, cool. yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's 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 serious stuff. So we took a sample just like you're having to uh flour and water to uh-huh. Chef Tom there. And said, you know, make make something to go with this. Do do anything you like. And he just uh, he came up with the best dish. Uh, he made uh, little homemade uh, stuffed pastas. Uh, the I forget what the name, the, the actual Italian name was, but the translation was little shoes, stuffed with uh, pork trotter uh, Ooh, meat, Stabonacci. which is yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and then that was served with uh, fresh figs, uh, baby uh, mustard greens. A little bit of Parmigiano Reggiano and horseradish, and a little butter emulsion sauce, and really classic flour and water. Where it's it's a very simple preparation that really belies the uh, the complexity of all the different pieces inside of it. And it was great, you know. It really brings out the beer has sort of a uh, sweet, savory playfulness with it, where the aromas are highly aromatic, and the bar- aromas are aromatic, yeah, done. <laughs> uh, but you get a lot of berry flavor in the aroma, but then there's a nice, you know, we really tried to balance out that bitterness with the beer, and that dish sort of plays up that same sort of balance with the figs and the mustard greens, and then uh, the acidity level of the beer is such that it can really tackle uh, rich dishes, you know, yeah, like definitely. A, you know, every San Francisco restaurant, when you're not looking, is putting a pound of butter in each dish, and that's why it tastes so good. Yeah, the um, trick of, how, why does restaurant food always taste so much better? A pound of butter. <laughs> that, that, is how, that is the secret. It is really easy. Whatever you're thinking about doing at home, just triple Add the butter, butter. And, and a little <laughs> more salt uh, and a snooty waiter, and you're there. And uh, so they uh, that plays up that same sort of balance. And so they put that great together, and then over at a local Mission Eatery, which is a really fun new restaurant on 24th Street. Uh, The the chef there, Jake, did a uh, seared duck breast with uh, beets pureed with whey and uh, raspberries. Yeah. Yeah, that was nice too. I really enjoyed it i got to I got to eat it after I finished taking pictures of it, so we have, <laughs> although it was really cold by then, but it was still what's really
1: that good. blog you write <laughs> uh, uh,
3: dot com but actually those what those dish pictures of both of those dishes I just described are up on our website, so if you go and click through to the information page on the information page for the beer or if you once you have a bottle in your hand, just use the little q r code on the back to have your uh iPhone take you there automatically. You'll see those pairings and those recommendations all lined up right there to really focus on you know you know for the you know the home cook giving you some ideas to get you started on different directions to take the beer.
1: So I was doing uh, just to share with the the audience. I I do do my uh, oh wow That's that's a little bit of pork. Did you make that? <sighs> no. Oh, that's that's a, a brew pub oh, in Spandau good. outside Berlin. Oh,
3: beautiful. I like how no, you say so share epic. with the audience oh. and then just yeah, show sure. Damien. <laughs> It's 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 like a. It's pork home. It, it's it pork, and looks, pork and pork and <laughs> pork. It looks like the kind of thing that makes you say, "Mmm." Do you want me to go with this,
1: Lipitor? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know the Germans all live a long time. I don't know what they're doing, but uh, I think it's all the beer that you drink they're with invading it. Invading
3: all... other countries? No, oh, they're done they're with doing.
1: that. They're very happy people now. <laughs> <laughs> they just drink beer and ride trains, and uh, it's fantastic. No, but, I... yeah. Just I, I, I was trying to find uh, when I was, uh, kind. I invented what I called uh, Köln sushi. I got the schlock plotter, which is the, the translate in, in, into a slaughter plate. So you get blood sausage mm. and all this other stuff. And um, I cut a slice of blood sausage and I put it on a piece of uh, brown bread and then wrapped it with a slice of, with a ring of onion. I said, "Look, it's German sushi." <laughs> ah, <laughs> yum. Well, that sounds pretty
2: good. Actually, <laughs> it, well, was it was pretty, pretty good.
1: Watermelons. I couldn't get I couldn't get the picture right. Usually, I shoot without a flash. And it's fine, but all these colors are just shades of brown, so I had to turn the...
3: Ooh, is... So is that the, uh, the flower and water Yeah, thing? so I'm showing a picture of the flower and water, and like I said, this is up on oldoakbeer.com. Wait, let com. me hold it up to the microphone. Hold it up to the microphone. So so see? You can... <laughs> Do you
0: guys have smell-o-vision working yet? Yeah, we can describe what we're smelling. <laughs>
3: it smells like it smells like an iPhone, mostly. You can
1: just zoom in and go, oh, it's like a it's like a model for a secret island. That's the the uh, the ravioli thing with a different name, Spinachi yeah. or whatever. Yeah, Scarpanacci. Uh, Scarpanacci. Um, that's where you enter into the bad guys later. <laughs> yeah, we've, stone.
3: Had, we've really the the response from the, sort of the food community that has never looked at beers beers like you know anything like this before has been really enthusiastic and and great. We're we're really excited about it. So.
1: And it's something that can, uh, as more people warm up to it and fig- figure out. In a restaurant that, oh yeah, we can come up with interesting beers and interest our patrons with this. Uh, it sounds like a perfect place for for your beer and other
0: beers to be. Well, here's a good example. Here's a good example. Put the, these two beers side by side. You can tell and people what that other beer is. Not yet. I like. <laughs> no, I like no, the I'm just
1: sort of art nouveau uh, aesthetic of the other beer's label. I'm just saying, and I do like the green wax.
0: Yeah, the green wax is a very nice <laughs> touch. But I guess what I was saying is, is that the Old Oak label holds up very well to a state label.
3: Well, that's high high praise. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, I know. I th- it holds its own. I mean, you know, it's not like this is a better label because you know, even though this is the more older brewery, you know, there's there's a lot of thought that's gone into this, and so. It, well,
2: well, thank you. I take that actually as a strong compliment. I'm a huge fan of the the actual illustrator who did the Sierra Nevada um, label. He also did the, the same guy did the. Um, uh, One of the life, life and of limb. limb. And, um, you know, I think in particular what Sierra, Sierra Nevada has done with their 30th anniversary line um, to me is just really wonderful. I think it, it shows, you know, just superb craftsmanship when it comes to the actual uh, labels. And uh, that actually means a lot to have you say that. It, uh, it, the new Sierra Nevada labels are really something that I sort of look up to in terms of uh, design and aesthetic. So that means a lot. I appreciate that uh, compliment. And uh, you know what you're seeing actually with our comp too is sort of a half finished thing. There'll be some uh, some other elements on it on the finished label that we can't represent with. Uh,
0: like that's going to be hard.
2: Well, that will actually that will be a separate sticker. No, I doubt understand,
0: it. but that's the hardest part of this. Yeah. <laughs>
2: hand, the the hand the, hand
0: the hand numbering on the back right yep. right there because that's just you know there's just a well it's either hand numbered or it's a, it's a a it's stamp, be, it's a stamp. Hand numbered. Yep. A stamp, stamp would be the way to go. So
2: we'll have the date and also. Hey, you uh, want to help with number.
1: bottling? Bring a yeah, red. Yeah, t- no, yeah. no, 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 <laughs> not that kind of,
0: not <laughs> that kind of stamp. No, no, uh, you know, one of those. Uh, you click the numbers through like an accounting stamp. Yeah. You know. Right. Paid on. Stamp.
2: Absolutely, and you just change the number each time. Yeah, and you,
0: and it, like you just got to cover up the paid on part. Yeah.
2: One of one of the
1: companies yeah. <laughs> it was it was the it's the place that's uh, Jesse Furniture on the corner of Second and Brandon now. That used to be a rubber stamp company where you went to get your rubber stamps. Before that
0: or after that it was a bicycle company. Yeah, it
1: was start to finish bikes. But it was a uh,
2: <clears throat> now it's a really expensive furniture store, isn't
1: it? Well, if you have a really expensive loft you have to put something <laughs> yeah, in it. Right. right. <laughs>
0: So the other so the beer that we switched to without even describing it at all is a, a state from Sierra Nevada, and this is the beer that is made with all the hops that were grown on the Sierra Nevada property or Sierra Nevada brewing property and I think this is about five years ago when they started this hop program and originally, it was just hey we're going to grow some hops so that we have an idea of what the hop of what Growing Hops is all about, and then it's grown into this monstrous field of hops. And it, it's funny,
1: because where Sierra Nevada Brewery is located, the hop field could just as easily be a Carl's Jr., because <laughs> it's sort of like one traffic light off the freeway at the freeway intersection, and there's the shopping mall on one side, and then there's the, uh, you know, a bunch of little strip mall shops, and then there's Sierra Nevada, and right on the corner where you'd expect to find another fast food restaurant is wow. their hop yeah. is the hop field, and then you have the parking lot that's completely covered with uh, solar panels now.
3: <laughs> well, and this is and this is <laughs> this is brewed with the homegrown malt as well, I believe. Yeah, I think the the the, the malt's actually grown. On, and this on is because this is something we've been we've been learning a lot about. Oh, the right. you know, the Organic wet hops and local ingredients, because it turns out there is not there is nowhere in the state of California. To malt your malt uh, so, to so, malt even, your barley. so
2: even if you grow it here, it actually has to be um, shipped to ship uh, to Colorado or, yeah or?
3: they I think they shipped to i'm pretty sure they shipped to Oregon to have theirs malted mm-hmm. but then uh thirsty bear, which is you know the San Francisco brew pub, they did an all California local ingredients beer, and they had to ship their local malt to Colorado to have it malted and then sent back, which obviously kind of defeats the whole purpose in a lot of ways. It's certainly local, but it's not
0: green anymore. And
3: until... Their
0: footprint went from a size 5 to (sighs) a size 13.
3: Although I will say that beer was just outstanding. Until about 20 years ago, there was a
0: malt house in San Francisco.
3: Yeah.
1: That's now lost. Surprise! (laughs) (laughs) Full of fancy
3: furniture and couches. I
1: have to to dig around because I have, from when I was a kid, I, I subscribed to Model Railroader Magazine. And uh, they always had to have a little article about, you know, here, model this little railroad. And one of the articles was modeling the railroad that used to run along the Embarcadero. And they talked about one of the key industries that was still getting uh, carload delivery by train was the malting house that was up where North Beach meets Fisherman's
3: Wharf. Hmm. So if there are any uh, local entrepreneurs out there thinking about, I'm looking for some sort of business with really low profitability and and high upfront upfront costs. (laughs) And he takes just enormous amount of energy and, and specialized construction. uh, There's a real need for a local maltster uh, around here.
0: And then uh, we need a hop kiln also. We need a
3: hop kiln. Well, let's go, let's not go overreach here. Well, no, it's the
0: same place. If you're going to have the property for, for (laughs) being a maltster, you might as well dry the hops at the same time.
1: Yeah, we had, we had, uh, Brandon and, uh, I always, I always forget the the actual owner for Thirsty Bear's name. And it, I Ron. See, Ron. Yeah. We had Ron Brennan on, and he this was probably two years ago. Yeah. And they were talking about how yeah you can grow the hops, but nobody's got a hop kiln here. And somebody and they were looking into what it would take to build a hop kiln.
3: Yeah, they did this with they did this this local beer as a as a fresh hop, mm-hmm. uh, which both gets around that problem and is delicious. So yes. it's, uh, it's kind of a double yeah. win, but it's hard to make that a right, a regular product obviously if you're doing cuz you know uh hops once they're picked off the vine um those mm-hmm. will start molding uh almost immediately and realistically you have absolutely at max about 48 hours to either get those killed or in the beer. Yeah. Yep. And so got I'm, I'm getting this all right. Yeah, require like oh, a yeah. green. Well, no, this, is, well, no, this is a this is <laughs> this is right
0: because because um, last year Magnolia's uh, beer uh, there, which ended up being named ATF something, ATF IPA.
2: Is that right? Uh, yeah.
0: They um, uh, for whatever reason the ATF flags the beer or the hops that are being FedEx. FedEx to them from Oregon, and uh, so it's held up. And so, rather than uh, have the FedEx guy show up right as the as they're needed in the you know just as the boil is starting to boil, uh, that beer is you know they have to go use other hops to to make their their wet hop beer. Uh, and then you know, <laughs> they get a delivery
1: of
3: molded And hops. then they get the yeah.
0: then the hops show up the next day and they're all molded out. They can't use any of them. So then they had to send more hops.
3: Well, this is kind of like you know uh, Deschutes calls their fresh hop beer, hop tri- hop trip, hop because trip. because what, they, what the thing to do with these kind of beers is you you start the beer you start your mash before the hops arrive so that you are ready for your first bittering addition yeah. when those hops come in the door and I mean I really really like fresh hop beers I mean in terms yes of, you know in terms of um, I was saying I, I I was saying earlier I really aspire to one day make a fresh hop beer. Uh, under the Old Oak brand, because that there we can actually collaborate with a farm on a classic seasonal beer ingredient, and this is one of the few beers these days that even if you wanted to, you couldn't even turn this into a, a year-round product. You'd They're only available at this time, and then the beer, or uh, six months later, when you buy them from uh, or, from New Zealand. Yeah, <laughs> but you know the. Uh, it, I think fresh hops provide a really complex herbal quality that is more subtle than a, a dried hop is. It's kind of like yeah. comparing dried spices and fresh spices, and or dried herbs and fresh herbs. Um, because with the, the fresh herb, you, you need a lot more of it to achieve the same effect. But you get uh, a complexity and a freshness and in sort of an herbal, almost tonic quality from the hop that, that I really, really enjoy. And it's a nice little finishing complexity. And I think the Sierra Nevada State does a really, really outstanding job of capturing that as well.
0: It's a wonderful beer. Did you make it to uh, the Wet Hop Fest at Tornado? I did not. Did you make it to the Wet Hop Fest at, at uh, in Hayward? I think you're just trying to embarrass me now. I'm not. Said <laughs> you
3: really liked Wet Hop Beer. Really like, I really like Wet Hop Beer. Unfortunately, I've had... Um, it turns out I have learned launching a brewery, extremely time-consuming, mm. um, and, and has really had, a, <laughs> had an impact on my ability to get over to a lot of these things. Um,
0: as a brewer, it's your job to make sure it, that you're it, hanging
3: out with other brewers. I brought, to, <laughs> I brought you a wet hop beer, and you're I'm, complaining that I'm, I'm not, not drinking
0: I'm, wet hot No, I'm not complaining. I'm just <laughs> bugging you about it, pushing your button about the fact that you didn't
3: get to go to those places. Yep, it's true. I actually I went into Magnolia uh, last week to try their their wet hop beer, and apparently, it had tapped out that that morning before I got there.
1: I went to so. Magnolia sometime this week sort of I was guessing what was late lunch and the bar was full so I just walked back out
3: uh-huh.
0: disappointed.
1: That's good for them though.
0: It's good for them. Yeah,
1: they don't like me around so I <laughs> walk right back out they're pretty happy.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're loud and too big and <laughs> <laughs> So what was it what were some of the names that you rejected? Not that you probably want to give that up, but just in case anyone's looking for some ideas, older we, oak. I think I think the <laughs> oldest the,
3: oak, the runner-up name that we didn't end up going with, which is shows you just our a little bit of our creative process was, um, Eichenboom Brewing mm, Company. Yeah, I can understand why that. did. <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, Flemish, right? Flemish. Yeah. And what was what that means? Flemish
2: for uh, old orchard, I believe. Right. Or, or uh, or uh, fruit orchard,
3: fruit orchard. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's what they call right, and, and you know, like a fruit orchard, basically, anywhere where you're, you know, growing uh, an orchard a, where you have fruit. Hey, there you go. Um, <clears throat> well, you know, we we obviously knew going into this, we we both wanted to do you know Belgian sort of inspired beers, at least at least to some extent, and uh, you know, we were just sort of playing with you know different sort of Flemish inspired words, but none of them really seemed to resonate, and some of them were actually quite odd, sort of like Ike and Boom. And, um, you know, we, we both knew we wanted, you know, Oak to be part of the name in some way. And so, um, you know, it was sort of an interesting process. But, you know, when Old Oak came up, um, you know, it didn't take too long before we both felt that that was just a, it just had a nice roll off the tongue. Mm-hmm. It
3: was appropriate. And uh, people can know. spell it. Yeah.
2: I mean, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. yeah. <laughs> I mean, one of the things
3: is in, in everything we're doing, we really are trying to bring a very, uh, we're trying to be extremely honest in everything we do um, with this beer. And so we're, we, you know, we're, we're you know, we're upfront about how our production methods work. We talk about our brands. We're trying to be very transparent, you know, really blogging a lot of this online. And with Old Oak, one of the things we liked about it is so we're, bre- all of our beers pass through used wine barrels. And so the Old Oak sort of doubles as referencing. It's literally Old Oak. It's used oak barrels that we're using as part of the production. And so it's, uh, again, it's, you know, the that, that boom. it's had a nice ring to it, but we're not... We're not Belgians, you know. We're not. Right. We're not producing our. our and "icon"
0: is not a word that I've ever said <laughs> until now. Yeah.
3: Oh, you
1: have said it a lot. I can do that. I can do that. I can can't. I offer a name if you ever do a Christmas do that. beer? Sure. Old sure. Spice.
3: <laughs> Wait, that sounds familiar somehow. Uh, Old Spice, flavored with Original scent.
1: Yes. <laughs> Yeah, maybe, we, maybe
3: we should get into the deodorant business, actually. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure Old Spice yeah. qualifies as a local farm, and I'm not sure that's a beer I really <laughs> want to drink. So, I think that qualifies as an industrial product. Despite, <laughs> so. um, but maybe we could get the Old Spice, that new spokesperson they have to do ads for us or something. Oh, yeah, right. He could or, be on the label.
0: Or just get the guy with the tree.
3: Santa Claus? No,
0: no, <laughs> the guy down at the at, in uh, Fisherman's Wharf. <laughs>
2: oh God! Well, who, who is this guy? The dude, dude the guy jumps can... outside of the bushes. Yeah,
3: there's, there's this, been a Fisherman's like, Wharf like, like like as a day no, job. That's his day job. I live in San Francisco, there's so a, I never a, go to Fisherman's there's Wharf. There's a
1: very famous uh, air quote street performer. And it's this guy who like has a couple of branches, and he'll jump out and scare tourists, then uh, ask for money. Yeah, I'm sure <sighs> you weren't just getting mugged. No, <laughs> no, no. It's very famous. Very famous.
0: Well, the whole, let's see, I was, I was going to uh, the Jeremiah O'Brien for brews on the bay, and I'm by walking. Jeremiah O'Brien. You means Hooters. No, I was going to brews on the bay, and on my way there, I'm walking down the street, and I. And I'm not paying attention because that's, what I, that's the way I walk now. And I ran into the damn bush. And 10 feet from it, I stop in my tracks. That's the bush. <laughs> and I walked back very slowly because I didn't want him to jump out at me. <laughs> uh,
2: now that you mention it, I'm almost certain I've actually had him jump out and successfully scare me.
0: Oh, well, yeah. It's scary but, every time.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, it's just such an odd thing that he then wants money for that. Um, He probably makes a great living.
0: I, you know, I think he makes like a hundred grand a year. Jumping out of
2: the
0: bush. But see, did you go to
1: Jeremiah Bryan this year? I
0: did. I had a grand time. Uh, I was was stuck in Germany. Sean O was there. Uh, Zambo was there. Uh, Brennan was there. I met some hot chicks. I met some hot chicks. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and I, sadly, I didn't have business cards to give them. They're like, oh, you have a podcast? Oh, that's so interesting. Really? Yeah. <laughs> just...
1: Shiny. That, that's a great icebreaker. Yeah, hey, it is. I've got an, that's um, a great story and I'm uh, glad you told it. I know. It's...
0: <laughs>
1: so um, what was your favorite beer? Beers on the bay, Brews on the Bay trademark.
0: <laughs> there was um
1: Fireside Chat, that delicious new beer in cans from Twenty First Amendment.
0: No, they didn't have that there. Um <laughs> No, oh, (laughs) Brendan had um, the organic, uh, his organic, uh, uh, the malted beer that you were talking about.
2: Did it come in a Vortex bottle? I don't know.
0: Vortex
3: So so we're pouring another beer here. I didn't, you know, we had the old oak sample, but I felt like, well, we're going to a serious beer podcast. We have to... Bring some, some, is that some next? When do you have to get out of here? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're actually we're expected late for there a this afternoon. Um, <laughs> they put this in a bottle. I didn't think that was possible. They, well, they had to change the name. Um, so, so what we're, oh, drinking, so, so what we're <laughs> drinking here is uh, the new bottles from uh, Firestone Walker, which is uh, a brewery I I just adore. I mean, I really, really like them. And so, this is uh, Velvet Merlin. Which oh, I is didn't even the, I didn't even read it as Merlin Velvet Merlin, which is the bottled version of of Velvet Merkin, because they, as I understand it, they actually when they went in for their label approval, which is a arduous process that we are now deep in the throes of, um, but luckily for us, we didn't have a word on our label that it turns out also means pubic wig, um, <laughs> which is I guess what I I, I didn't even know that until, you didn't know that until. <laughs> You know, I, I don't know why. I feel like I needed an excuse for why I didn't know that. But now I'm aware of it. Uh, but, yeah, so they changed it because,
1: you know. You didn't get the sheet when you moved to San Francisco, did you, with all the useful terms that you have to know? Merkin's on, you know, Merkin's yeah.
2: if, you've, if you've ever been to the Folsom Street Fair, you, you know what a Merkin is. Well, you know. unfortunately, or the again, you guys really or, yeah, should turn, right, this, yeah. or really the exotic, should turn this into a video yeah.
3: podcast because Motor is now showing us his Merkin yes. right now, which, for the record, not made of velvet. No, it's so, not. It's horsehair. <laughs> <laughs> it feels so soft. It's silky. Yeah. Do you condition it? Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, Why so, are you touching his Merkin? Well, because we're trying to provide like a comprehensive <laughs> beer podcasting experience here, right. I don't want to touch Motor's It's so okay. inviting and soft-looking. Sorry if
1: you're listening to the show. Which reminds breakfast. me,
0: you know, Hi, and, Mom. and if you don't, be, and if you don't believe us about that, Merkin really is um, what it is. Wikipedia, just just search for Merkin on the on the Google. Yeah, the graphic. make sure you have safe ser- search on though. Yeah.
2: Well, what's shocking is, is I I would have figured it would have been sort of a newish word, and uh, no, it's actually,
0: ancient. It goes back like thousands of years.
2: Well, yeah. Well, I think the reference Which is I saw how we describe
3: motors. Uh, Merkin as well, my yeah. ancient <laughs> thousand-year-old Merkin. That hair is held up remarkably So well. they've True. tuned
0: they tuned this down. You think so? Yeah, I don't think this is a. I don't think this is as Merkiny as <laughs> as a, I've had it before. What does Merkiny mean? Well, um, okay, I don't know, but I'm saying it, <laughs> it just seems to me that I remember this as being a bit more uh, uh, not accessible. You think so? Yeah.
3: I don't know. I actually. You think it's
0: the same beer? Maybe it's just carbonated different.
3: Maybe. I mean, so my my family lives in L.A., and the Firestone Walker Brewery is in Paso Robles right off the freeway. On the way. And, on the way. In fact, I always see it uh, just before I can make the exit, and then I have to loop back around. But I now make it policy just to bring two Firestone Growlers with me, and I usually fill them up both ways. So I fill them up so I have something to drink while I'm in L.A., and then I filled them up on the way back. Right. And, and my pretty, my pretty standard fill was unfiltered DBA in one, which is a, a beer I just adore, and then uh, Velvet Merkin if if they would do it. Sometimes they wouldn't do it. They're kind of they won't do their really fancy beers in color. Right. Sometimes. Yeah. But, um, well,
0: saucerful of secrets. Good luck
3: getting that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, th- I got a tour one time, and there's a there's a uh, there's a barrel in the back that says that's labeled in chalk saucerful of secrets too good to blend that's that's what, how the barrels. was like. and, and I was like I would very much like to try that please and they were like no and I'm like I write a really serious beer blog I think you should let me try it I think it'd be really good for Yeah. I, both of my readers are dying to hear about yes. this uh, I'll take a picture they, they still said no I'll take a picture
0: but uh, you know sometimes using your powers just doesn't work I promised only to use them for good and never for evil oh uh, well, yeah well, I like the idea of using my powers
3: for evil.
1: Well, I, used I, do it, to th- I do it all the time.
3: Whenever I meet someone that says they read my blog, I always respond, you know, I used to joke that, that only my mother read my blog until I found out my mother doesn't read my blog. <laughs> but now she does and actually comments very regularly on it, which is awkward in its own way. Is, is, did she sign in as mom? She signs them as mom. My dad, too, signs them as yeah, dad. Yeah. But my dad, actually, my dad uh, was a home brewer as well. So Well, so then he can use dad. It's a family thing. Yeah. It's no big deal. But yeah, I think, I mean, I it's remember the thing about, f- so it's, it's a 5.5% <laughs> alcohol stout. And, you know, it's actually, I think it's, it, it has a lot in common. I'd be curious, to, I'd like to try this side-by-side with the reserve porter. Um, oh,
0: there would have to be very similar.
3: Well, that's also a 5%. That also clocks in at about 5% alcohol.
0: But oh. this has got candy sugars going on. Yeah. Some flavors that it would not be in the porter.
3: Yeah. Do you think it's oatmeal-y enough?
0: No. No.
2: It doesn't ha- Yeah, it doesn't have quite the body of the viscosity <clears> that <throat> I remember.
3: It's got a great nose on it, though.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm just saying that this it just tastes different. I seem to remember it being 7%, not 5%. I seem to remember
3: it being more barrel tasting. Maybe you're thinking of a different beer. Or they did, they've done, they no, actually, they meddled for it at GABF with their 100% barreled version of it. Maybe that's what I'm remembering.
0: I don't know. This is, okay. I I'm,
3: like it. Take it on its own right. Well, you and know,
0: I'm boom. taking it on its own, and I like the beer as it is. I'm saying that it just tastes a lot different than the, than the uh, Merlin I remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: The Merkin, you
0: remember? Yeah, the Merkin, Merkin of... from Days of Yore. That's right. Well, you know, everyone has fond memories of their first Merkin.
2: <laughs> oh, oh, so true.
3: <laughs> Mom, if you're listening, it so the... <laughs> would be a good time to stop. I guess. <laughs> We're about to get a Merkin theme. I'm, I'm self
1: censoring right now, so that's why I'm quiet. Why start <laughs> now?
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Why start now? So what's uh, so you you uh, have this release in December? Yep. Uh, are you going to brew something between now and then, or not worry about
3: that? Yet? No, no, absolutely. In fact, we're we're going to be using uh, we're actually going to use the same set of barrels again mm-hmm. for our second release, and so we're not going to obviously we're going to use these barrels for about a year and then and then move over to fresh fresh barrels as well. Uh, so we are uh, hopefully brewing actually our next beer in the next week or two will be the the pilot of the the next batch. Nice. Are we allowed to to divulge what it's going to be? I think, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's going to change at this point. So uh, we're going to be doing a uh, Belgian-style robust porter, and then we're going to be working with uh, Cho uh, Chocolates, and we're going to be aging this on uh, cocoa nibs, which reminds me, I really need to order those cocoa nibs. We're we're ordering, I think, something something in the neighborhood of about 600 pounds of cocoa nibs. Jeremy, if you're listening, just cue that as the order. Jeremy knows all about it. Yeah, okay, so... Uh, but we'll be working with them, and actually, we need to we need to figure out actually because they actually we can get the cocoa nibs, and so they are not. You know, it only took us to our second batch to already be be twisting the the uh, meaning of farm, twisting uh, the nibs. Yeah, so twisting the nibs. <laughs> yeah. Hey, <that's> a sensitive <laughs> subject. It's, uh, uh, but yeah, and so they, you know, they are they are a local chocolatier, and obviously, uh, the cocoa beans are grown in exotical cows, but. That said, they like Hayward. Like Hayward, that, uh, they have. Uh, they grow chocolate. In
0: Hayward, they do not.
1: That is true, John. Mm-hmm.
3: I did think about that. Like, oh yeah, no, they don't. <laughs> Hayward's nowhere near Madagascar. <laughs> Madagascar uh, is far. It's like twice as far as Hayward, at least. Yeah, so. I don't think
2: there's a Bart stop in Madagascar. <laughs> One you I'm have to take Caltrain for sure. Uh, yeah,
3: yeah, that's it. Uh, but they have, they, you know, they're they're a really great local company as well as very interested in the beer community, and they have, you know, exceptional human rights practices, and in terms of being, uh, they don't beat their employees, they don't, they don't. <laughs> unlike at Beer School. Um, but they, uh, yeah, they and they spend a lot of money reinvesting back into the community, and have a lot of green practices as well, and. And quite frankly, it's a beer we really, really wanted to make. We really wanted to go after and make a beer. Um, we think the the red wine barrel combined with a robust porter character, you get a lot of fruitiness uh, from the Belgian yeast in that in there. And then a nice chocolate overlay because we really want to do some dessert beer here uh, as well. You know, a beer that's both dessert and goes with really smoky barbecue, too. You know, that's kind of what we're excited about. So we're just going in a different direction for our winter beer. And then in the spring, we'll come back to a local farm. Awesome. And and for the local angle,
1: San Francisco has a history of coffee companies and spice companies Mm -hmm. as sort of a gateway (laughs) to bring those things in from around the world. That's local. I mean,
3: we have the... The we we are nowhere near running out of collaborators and places to work with. I mean, there are on your so, second period on out our out second. Of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on, well, there's, I mean, so there's, there's just you need to put some more it,
1: gasoline on those bridges if you <laughs> really want them to burn that fast. <laughs> uh, I knew bridges were going to come up in this podcast eventually.
3: <laughs> <laughs> maybe some sort of bridge logo would be appropriate. Yeah, I think here. so. Hey, maybe the,
2: oh geez. It, was
0: there ever a bridge on this instead of an oak? <laughs> there was no, there was not. I don't
2: <laughs> old bridge. Is. You know, m- maybe we'll do an offshoot sort of uh, label. It's Old Bridge or, or Burning Bridge. <laughs> burning uh, Bridge. Originally, yeah. this yeah, podcast that's it. was burning bridge. called Bridge School. Burning yeah. Bridge. <laughs> the, <laughs> burning Bridge. But then Neil ale. Young uh, pulled up yeah. Yeah, you, Burning you, Bridge yeah. Ale. He beat you to the TM. There you go. Yeah. I actually kind of like that. No, I like it. It's Burning
3: Bridge brand. Fuck you, Ale. Yeah, is this a family ale. podcast? Yeah, we have to cut that out. <sighs> he no one says I, that. We never
2: do. Well, I know. We never do.
0: Well, you know what? We. Usually have the disclaimer in the beginning when I'm telling people, mm-hmm. you know, about the show, like what we do, like we like to be office
2: compatible. Mm-hmm. So, uh, how about headphone office compatible? Well, that's not headphone office compatible. Headphone off. So, uh, so, at what point am I allowed to put my pants back on?
0: You can put your pants back on any time, <laughs> as long as you remove the merkin before you do that,
1: because we
3: need that back. Yeah, we we have to stop <laughs> passing that around. Mom, I really hope you stop <laughs> listening by now. <laughs>
0: Well, it's good. I like the uh, – this has warmed up a little bit since it's been in the glass. Yours is done. Yours I, is done. I like
3: it. I think, you're, I think you're being an old fogey and seeing it was back before they went mainstream and bottled it. And I'm it. just saying the only time you could ever get it was at some special release. Yeah.
0: And so it was like, oh, Merkin's here. All right, I'll have some yeah. of that. Well, that I think, you know, release. when you
3: bottle Merkin. something like this, it becomes less special – Inherently, well, I'm not you know, saying when that something becomes available, it becomes less hipster, yeah, less I'm, underground. I'm just saying
0: that it tastes different. That's that,
1: why you always want your friend's
0: girlfriend. Oh, a um, loud voice. Well, motor, who are you dating now? <laughs> no one. I thought you were dating. What's her name? No, no one. Oh, I sad, like lonely. <laughs> so you wait. You go to Germany, and she dumped you. <laughs> no. So oh, I'm not seeing anyone. Haven't thought
2: been. Thought you were.
0: No.
3: They just there were follow, sightings. they just follow me around. they were sightings. They just you, follow me around they follow it, me around rubies. so ladies, if you enjoy beer <laughs> podcasting,
1: well, I've got um, a fan who scribbles I, I Heart beer School and i Heart Motor on prominent beer
0: bar restroom <laughs> walls. You can't and that. we met her once, yeah, once. I love you she <laughs> went, no, she wants to be on the show, actually. we I got think a text called a stalker. No, we had a stalker once, that was bad. What happened uh Facebook block, AT&T block, oh, no. uh, that bad. email block at the server. Why'd she do all these things to you? I did the same her. <laughs> it was a she. We're not talking about it. Uh, I think pretty sure we're talking about it right now. No, I'm not going to talk about it anymore. It's over that idea. Was she cute? Mm. Yeah. Hey, someone's got mail. No, I'm just like, <laughs> where'd the thing go with the, oh, it's here.
2: A restraining order?
0: There was a restraining
3: order, almost. <laughs> is that
2: right? Wow.
3: John is scrolling through his iPhone, always the key to exciting radio. Yeah, I'm looking for the picture of the other. <laughs> for still all you folks at home, I'm looking for the picture. Still scrolling. I'm painting you a word picture. Still scrolling through his iPhone. He's going back, back, Here. back, back. Those are the people that want to be on the show. Back,
2: back, to the wall. They seem nice. He got Ooh. it.
0: Yeah but that's not the stalker, that's the that's our fan. That's Motors fan.
2: Oh so this is an honest, honest to God. Yeah. <laughs> which, which
3: one's Motors fan? The bearded guy in the front? <laughs> no,
0: the blonde in the middle.
3: Oh she seems nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think you should take her out. I vote anyway.
1: Hopefully your husband isn't listening to the show. I'm sure he'd be fine with that. Or as you as you painted the picture bearded guy.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so do you have any more beer? That is all the beer I brought. Well, we could bring, we could open the, um, we could open the burr,
3: if you like. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm willing to it, share
0: it. It, it. Damien, you haven't tried it yet, have you?
2: I have not.
3: No, right. let's go ahead and crack it open. Uh, I was. Is it in the uh, fridge? In the fridge. It's so called we burr. To, uh, mm-hmm. So there was there we uh, John and I actually this week we both went. I'll talk a little bit. We went oh, to I a know
1: what you're
3: talking about. The, we're talking about the beer you went. To, you're going the to get burr. right now. The burr. Uh so Widmer did a beer dinner here in San Francisco to celebrate the launch of the burr and they did it at uh, Mavericks in the Mission, which is a, a restaurant I really, really like. Uh they specialize in sort of it's it's that real classic San Francisco small, slightly upscale neighborhood restaurant. And they do southern food uh done, you know, with sort of a San Francisco touch. And uh their fried chicken is uh it's exceptional. Really, okay. I which, was,
1: which place? called uh, Mavericks. Called Mavericks. It's, called Mavericks. Oh, okay. it's oh, on
3: Mavericks. 17th
0: right off of Mission. Yeah. And uh so the dinner was um,
3: the dinner started off You want to go through the menu? Do you have it? I can, I I remember it. The box well, smells the, good. The the uh,
0: mm. I think there's apple. I have the menu somewhere, fridge. but I don't remember if, no,
1: no, no, we
3: start we started well, off we started
0: off with the pate. No, oh, no no, no, no. We started, we started off with the right. With the okra and the like and
3: the crab. In the Okra and crab served with the Widmer Hefeweizen. And they mm. actually... You know, this was interesting. They were serving the Widmer Hefeweizen with lemon slices. Um, which everybody is... Everybody threw it Yeah, which this. is... Mo- I mean, this is not 100%, but I I would say, you know, generally speaking, if, if you're beer geeky enough to be listening to me say this right now, you probably don't like lemon in your Hefeweizen. Right. Um, I mean, it's actually... I like... The flavor pairing of of lemon with it, but I'd rather take that lemon and put it that acidity into the food rather than have it hanging off the side of my glass. Yeah, and so they actually had that and they kept serving us. and then all of us kept rejecting. Well, the when
0: I when I first got there, they said, "Would you like uh, Would you like the hefeweizen?" I'm like, "Sure." And they asked if I wanted a lemon or not. Yeah, and I said, "No lemon, please." And they, later they just started bringing them just, with lemon. Well, so. I think that was just the find going to. If you don't want the lemon, you'll throw that in, which I did. Yeah.
3: Uh, so we had that, and we had that with some fried apps. The crab cake wasn't bad. Fried okra not bad. Although no, I I, all
0: the stacking was a bit weird. I thought it was a little that, hard to eat, passed yeah, around like that. Yeah.
3: And then we had a uh, first course. We did a. But I'm
0: a, not complaining. It was really, it
3: was good. I mean, it's all. I mean, all the food is, is well cooked there. The kitchen really knows what they're doing. Uh, then we had the pate with some pickled beets and uh, violet mustard, which is I I just learned it's mustard mixed with grape must. From uh, from the wine making process. And that was nice. It was a really, you know, they served on really nice crispy bread. And yeah. the pate had a nice, had. it's a really sort of a, uh, a chunky style country pate. And that was served up with their Drifter pale ale. Yep. And the next course was...
0: Motor. you're not a fan of Drifter? Okay, that's a, that's <laughs> fair. Wow, no,
3: that's... <laughs> and I we... really like the Hefeweizen. And then we had a. they brought a salad that had watermelon and arugula and pine nuts in it. And I took a bite. I hadn't looked at the menu yet. And I took a bite of what looked like a bite of grapefruit in the not salad. Not grapefruit. That's what I thought. And it was not thought. grapefruit. It was salt-cured halibut. It was delicious. Wow. <laughs> it was really Surprise. good. Surprise. <laughs> really not what I was expecting in, in that moment. Um, and they served that. Thank what you. they serve that with? They served that with the IPA. The,
0: the uh, uh, what do they call it? The Deadlift IPA.
3: Deadlift IPA. And that was... Um, I thought the, <laughs> the IPA wasn't bad, but the pairing really didn't do it for me there, actually. I, I pretty... Well, I could have done without the greens. Yeah. You know, just, like, focus, just focus, focus on, the, on salt cured. The, the salt
0: cured. The salt cured with the watermelon. In fact, that's what I did. I Once I figured it out, I'm like... And brushed the greens aside and then just had watermelon and, and halibut, which was delicious. Yeah.
3: And then uh, we came to the main, main portion of the show we had a bourbon glazed pork belly and i don't know about you but i got a irresponsibly gigantic piece of pork belly oh. i'm i was fairly confident they were they were trying to kill me uh, with that.
0: I was, uh, never dough. had more pork belly than I had that. I much. mean, I I I, ate I it all, appreciated but. every single bite because it was delicious.
3: Yeah, they did the pork belly, and then they had uh, some roasted uh, root vegetables, some, uh, they did a caramelized cipollini onions, which I, I really like that sort of thing. So those are the little sort of orb-shaped onions, and they roasted those off to bring out some nice caramel flavors, and then a, you know, a sweet sauce, but it, you know, that they had really browned the hell out of it to really mm-hmm. bring out some nice, nice character, and that that was the pairing really designed specifically to go to go with this beer. To go with this beer. And then dessert, we continued on with this beer. And we had a uh, bourbon pecan pie, which is actually off, I guess that's off the regular menu. It they is. said. And that was nice. I, the crust on that was really well made.
0: I, I think, so. wish that they would have just brought one piece for the whole table. I like, <laughs> yeah. bur- I was, like
3: bur- bourbon
1: pecan pie. Yeah, it was pretty it, rich.
0: It was, it was basically like two bites and I'm out. It I also was, like those
1: little bars that you can get at some cafes that are the, the yeah.
0: yeah. So the beer we're drinking is uh, the barrel-aged Burr Bun, which is B-R-R-R-B-O-N. And uh, I who was it? You, you were at Kurt's table, right? Jesse, you uh, were yeah, sitting?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was up in front. with. I was sitting with a couple of the Widmer guys. Yeah. Soon as it worked out. So
0: uh, the guy who was at our table was the head the head brewer. His name was Doug. And talked a little bit about. Nice guy. Nice guy. And so I I was complimentary of the name of, I've always really enjoyed some of the, the names of uh, these You like that? These crazy um, seasonal beers. And I always thought that Burr was a great name for a seasonal
3: beer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your pro pun beer names? Yeah. Have you <laughs> listened to the
1: show? John's pro pun. <laughs> I am pro pun. <laughs> <laughs> It's a pretty punny defense yeah, you've yeah. got right no, there. No, wait. This is going to take a couple of minutes. Yeah,
3: hold on. Look. We'll just edit out a lengthy pause. I, what if, no, what if, no,
0: no. What if, so it sees two limos. They drive to each other. Then one guy rolls down his window, and he's like, <laughs> it's like, excuse me, sir. Do you have any pro pun? Oh,
3: God. <laughs> That's what the... That's why I'm laughing. John, would you do me the service of killing your own mic for the remainder of the show? <laughs> no. We don't, even, we don't have cough switches here. Yeah. One, of
1: my, one of my T-shirts that's gone into the great uh, uh, Halon uh, sprinkled T-shirt preservation device that I have. Um, one year for the Oregon Brewers Festival, Widmer brew a, brew a potato beer called Uber Tuber. Yeah, that, that, see, that's, <coughs> that's a great name. What's better about it is the front of the shirt had the McDonald's M upside down as a W for Widmere. <laughs> and it looked like a, a it was the McDonald's uh, French fry box saying UberTuber. <laughs> it's like wow, I can't no, believe it's... the McDonald's people haven't come out and confiscated yeah. all the shirts.
3: And, yeah, no doubt, them down. So let's, let's talk. What, what do you think about this? So so we tried it the other night at the dinner in a in a very. Was, I, would, I would describe it as it's a very seductive environment it's, they're trying to create it's there. It's dark. <laughs> there was a hot chick in front
0: of me. Mm. There was amazing food. That, that was me. you just been drinking. That was
3: Jesse with his wig. On. He was wearing yeah. his merkin on his head. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, no wonder you didn't look bald.
3: Okay. That's balding to you, sir. Uh, but what do you, what do you think about the guys trying it for the first time here? What, Motor, what do you think?
1: I like it. You like it. I'd like it with a slice of bourbon uh, pecan pie. You're more. You're
3: clearly more interested in the bourbon pecan pie than the beer. I thing. am. Yes. See, that's. I mean, I like. I it, like the. I think there's some nice oak character, but I feel like there just is still. And this was my complaint then, and I. I had had a little to drink, so I was being honest with the Widmer guys when they asked me what I thought of it. Never a good plan to the media event. Um, there just isn't a lot of uh, depth to it. It's got a nice. It's a nice example of the character you get from the bourbon aging. And this, um, actually something I compared it to was the um, Schmaltz Brewing's uh, RIPA uh, Lenny on Rye. And so they're aging that in a rye barrel. In a, ber- in a, in a barrel. piece of pumpernickel. Yeah, <laughs> they're aging that <laughs> in a rye barrel. But I think that's more successful in terms of where you, the beer is really disappearing behind the barrel. And everything the beer is doing is in support of the barrel character. But I think that is more, has more depth of character and more interesting than what we're getting here. I mean, this is clearly bourbon barrel aged, but I, I feel like I can't... Yep, I can clearly pull out the barrel. Yeah, but I don't have anything much else to say about say
1: it. I like it because I like the barrel. Yeah. It's like drinking bourbon. And sometimes things get too complex, he says, in air quotes, with bourbon barrel beer. All
0: right, so I want to say that I'm not a... F- as much as I like the name Burr... <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's not that's enough that's to not sell to you. Right? If I could yeah. drink the name I would be interested.
0: No, every single time I, I'm all excited because oh hey, this is the greatest name in the world for a uh, seasonal beer, and then I get it and I'm I'm sort of disappointed because I want it to be I have this image in my head about what this is going to taste like, and it always seems like well it's not anything out there it's not anything you know I'm not going to get thrown out of the party for bringing it uh, it's just not. It's like it, it's it's like in the middle. It's sort of
2: unremarkable. Yeah. It's,
0: yeah, it's, and, I, and it's not well, it's not horrible, and it's not great. It's just like here,
3: and like it's a very backhanded compliment, but it's very accessible. Yeah, yes. like I could take it's this, like
1: their logo there with the, B and the I could R. take this. I could take that. this to every
0: party <laughs> that I have to go to as a holiday party, and everybody would be like, "Oh, this is wonderful. Thank you." And. It's not a slam against against the beer. It's just that it's a little sp- bit of a slam against the beer. Well, no, know, it's not because it, it the, the problem is, who, is that my palate is
2: right. is is
0: developed to to something else.
2: It, it's it's it's. I think you just nailed. A, I think a very valid point. It's who, who's your audience? I mean, you know, if you're uh, you know versed in in bourbon, you know, aged beers, then yeah, this isn't going to you know blow your skirt up, but. For the average Joe who buys this at, you know, Whole Foods or wherever and takes it home, it's gonna be kind of a special thing, you know, if you if you're not used to drinking this. And I think it's an interesting sort of entry point into this style of beer. In terms of, you know, beers that are done exceptionally well or, or complex this way, you know, this probably isn't gonna stand out. But yeah. you know, it reminds me of sort of you know what uh the label for New Belgium's Eric Sale says is you know it's a sour beer for people who don't like sour beers. There you go. Um and and I think this is probably, you know, a, a, you know a, a bourbon aged beer that is for people who haven't really tried bourbon aged right. beers before. See,
3: well, I and, totally
0: disagree. And I w- well I'm going to disagree also. Well, I also want to say You can disagree first. Okay, well I also want to say that um, and I could be wrong, I forgot to ask this question but I got the impression that this is the first barrel aged beer that they've done I, as a production. I'm pretty sure that's correct. So this is our, you know, here we are talking about the problems that were were, you know, not bold enough, not mouthfeel enough, you know, too much barrel uh possibly should have been blended, you know, those kind of things cuz we're we're used to uh, these guys who've been doing it for ten years, He's holding blowing a Firestone bottle, blowing us away. Yeah, Firestone of course
1: like bottle. Some colors doesn't
0: have a vortex. uh mm-hmm. lid uh, twist off. Doesn't Interesting. It, doesn't the, the Merkin term carry when yeah. he gets warm? Moving on. <laughs> and and so you know, keep in mind we're tasting somebody's first effort, and the the barrels that they had, which uh, were from. Uh, Maker's Mark, mm-hmm. um, they were na- not able to get enough barrels of makers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had to get some other uh, bourbon barrels in order to make it to finish it, and so those two those two batches were blended, and then they reused the barrels again to to make the second batch of beer, um, according to their story that they told on Thursday or Wednesday. But you know this is the f- this is the first barrel program that they've done.
3: Yeah, I think I think it's not it's not a bad beer. But it's not. It's it's a decent beer, but it's not an exceptional well, here, beer. I think is what we're saying.
0: So here's another thing that I that we should say. It's not
3: offensive. It's not offensive. There's nothing wrong with this beer at all. In fact, I think that's all of our. I think all of our sort of general complaint is that it's not grabbing our attention. It doesn't stand out. It's not particularly memorable. In in any. But I don't think way. it's supposed to be. It's
1: a catchy tune, but the lyrics suck. <laughs> <laughs> no, I
3: don't. I don't think it's
0: supposed to be. I don't think it's okay. So here's sure. a good, here's a good um, the, a beer that I had three months ago, which was barrel aged serpent stout from from uh, Lost, Lost Abbey. Abbey. That beer is in every way exceptional and stands out, and you know wants to take your girlfriend home and have its way with her, and you know the whole thing. Go on, and so like you're painting a picture yeah every single time that i had that beer and it was on for three nights and i'm like oh i want to have that you know served in a little glass it's totally memorable you know you don't want to have another one after that because it's like 12 percent. but you know there's flavors and complexities and you know i want to keep exploring this kind of thing and you know like i said i'll take this to a party that uh we're going to open it and everybody's going to go oh this is wonderful and they may not they may not be telling the truth because they don't Know what those flavors are supposed to be
3: see what i what i don 't like is the idea that your a palate is so your palate is too advanced to understand something this pedestrian i don 't like that that idea at all. I think that good beer is, did I say that no Damien said it a little oh. bit um, i think I think that good beer is good beer, and that pa- advanced i think I think advanced palates are great for picking apart, especially if you want to understand what 's going on there and how they achieve this product but you know, you open, to take another example, take a uh, uh, Russian River's Consecration. That That is a extraordinarily complex beer that gets beer geeks' hearts beating. But you can pour that for non non-beer people, and they will also be floored by it. I mean, not everyone. Some people find it too tart or something like that. But I think that this idea that, oh, well, this is a great advanced beer for people that don't like beer is not a... It it just it doesn't resonate with me. There shouldn't be. It's not this. There isn't a class. Oh, system. I see what you're talking. about I think it. that great beer is great beer, and it should. If it gets, if it gets beer, I mean, not everything's. Going well, to do the this. idea
0: is that if you if you drink that beer and you're a non-beer drinker, you still may not like it because it's
3: beer. That that's possible. That's your true. point. That's yeah. part of your point. Yeah. I <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, but but I but I agree, but I, but I think that you know this this is more accessible. I think if you open, let's say, a bottle of Angel Share for somebody, which I've actually done recently, uh, you know, beer fans, but that haven't been you know sort of exposed to barrel aged beers, um, it, it was arguably one of the sort of worst you know tasting experiences they've ever gone through, just because the expectation was so different than what came out of the bottle. Mm-hmm. And right. um, was it carbonated? It, was that what
3: came out of the bottle?
2: Uh, it actually wasn't very, very carbonated, but. Um, you know, it's the same examples, you know, if, if you if you share a lambic with somebody who isn't expecting what's what coming out <laughs> of the bottle or a goose, um, you know, you get the same thing. I mean, it can be the best goose in the world, and, you know, for somebody who is not sort of, you know, versed in the world of lambics, then, you know, they're going to think it's absolutely the foulest thing that they, they've tasted. That's sort of been my experience. So it certainly didn't mean to sort of disparage their efforts, but I do think, you know, if it came down to sort of sharing this, um, you know, versus other barrel-aged beers, um, you know, I think this is a little more accessible. This doesn't have, this isn't quite as um, complex and, and sort of um, heavy as, as some of the other beers out there.
3: See, I just don't like the idea of accessible as a good gateway. It is, it is a good gateway beer for people that aren't into beer. But I think, wouldn't you rather pour a great beer that just is a great beer? as opposed to well i guess it's pretty good by a this very strange standard of non beer drinkers I,
1: I think the problem is we're serving it wrong because as i'm looking at their press release there uh we're it should be, to be served we're, in sp- a cardboard we're box. supposed to be drinking it out of the box
3: <laughs> <laughs> and the box casts a shadow and nothing else does the the press release has a has a ser- <laughs> has a series of their beers. Actually, it was the beers they poured at the dinner, and each beer is pictured alongside of a uh, very photogenic glass, including the a Whitmer glass, glass. You know, with a lemon hanging off of it, and then it gets down to the bourbon barrel one, and it actually is just served, apparently, in a foaming over cardboard box. <laughs> Although you'd think if it was full of beer, you'd be able to see it soaking through at the bottom. You don't see that at all.
1: Well, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be full of beer because the box is bigger than the bottle.
3: That's probably true,
1: and it would be hard to drink out of. Yeah. But well,
3: maybe foam at the top and you get a nice head on it. <laughs> it's nicely carbonated and whatnot.
1: I was I enjoyed a lot of my favorite beer while I was in Germany because my favorite beer is Radeberger, mm-hmm. and Radeberger out of the five hundred milliliter can I think is my favorite. Uh, Radeberger, you pick. You know, you just walk down the street with your can of Radeberger. Mm-hmm.
3: Belgium Rodenbach and cans.
1: Yeah, the Rodenbach and cans. Oh. Uh you know. Uh, um,
3: and it's delicious.
1: Whatchamacallit, yeah, over, you... uh, uh, the Trappist over in Oakland, mm-hmm. they have nailed the look and feel of a, a, a pub in, in Belgium, mm-hmm. except for one thing. They don't have Jupiler on draft. I know. Uh... And they really need Jupiler because every single – and you, I, you can't get it. You can't get Jupiler here. Yeah. In, Jupiler in... is basically your go-to crappy Lager in in Belgium, and every single bar has it.
3: Yeah. well, not only every single bar has it. Every single bar has it. It has a very large sign out front, yeah. announcing that that they have it as well. Yeah, I was just I was just in Belgium for uh, for my honeymoon, mm-hmm. which was. Uh, how did you talk her into that?
0: Uh, we we went showed to, her pictures <laughs> of Bruges. We went.
3: We, I'll tell you how we did. We went to Italy first. Oh. That's how I talked her into it. But actually, we actually uh, she had a I. I highly recommend uh, Belgium as a romantic honeymoon destination. And what was so There's funny... There's the Itonium
1: there. Yes. The, um, I'm a friend of the Itonium
3: on, on Facebook. All the Belgians actually, were, we'd explain, yeah, we're on our honeymoon from California. And they'd say, you came from California <laughs> oh <my> to Belgium <laughs> for your honeymoon? And, it kind and of then I, they'd mumble I,
1: back and forth in Flemish for a while and go,
3: what i what I realized <laughs> is that Belgium is the Wisconsin of europe is is what it is. It's that they, It's like going to Wisconsin. It's like going it's flat. It, there it is full of cows and sheep, and people are exceptionally and friendly and it has some extraordinary breweries in it. Uh, it's It's pretty much the Belgium, and And people are surprised you came.
1: you know another place you could take uh, you could have a honeymoon is Bamberg. Bamberg, the city of beer, is also beautiful. Keep pushing Germany. (laughs) Bamberg, no. Bamberg's fantastic.
0: So a listener uh, has texted us that they're drinking Hop Trip at... uh, But we're not live. How are they doing (laughs) this? (laughs) No, it just happened that they're... they're Is is it uh, Suzanne? No, it's Paul. Is is Paul your stalker? No, Paul's not my stalker. (laughs) No, Paul's not code word for stalker. Yeah. Sure. No, anyway, he's he's uh hanging out at shoots in Portland drinking hop trip.
3: But that's great fresh on draft. Mm-hmm. I bet. Yeah.
0: Did you uh uh somehow I it is it I missed the opportunity to buy uh Black Butte XXII. Uh 22.
3: Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen it. Did it come out? Maybe
0: it did. Uh, maybe they didn't even make it. That's maybe why I missed it. I maybe it's
1: I, not
3: out yet. I haven't seen it. I don't know. It should have, have been out s- in June. I have some no. XX and I have some XXI. Yeah, I have I've, some. I actually have really, really enjoyed those. I, and I've and i had a couple of those and they're really exceptional.
0: It's a wonderful beer. Um, okay, well, anyway, the to wrap up the, uh, the barrel-aged burr. You can get it in practically all fifty states with a uh, few exceptions. Uh, Alabama and Louisiana don't do not are not on the list of, of wares, although they have the well, they have it all here. All the letters that you can get. No, LA is on here. Okay. Yeah, a L. That's in California. That's
1: in California.
0: AZ, that's, uh, that's Arizona. there. Arizona. AR, that's... Arkansas. Arkansas. Uh AK is missing, so sorry. Chaz cannot buy this beer, although he lives...
1: That's interesting, you can't get it in... in...
0: Yeah, but he'll just... hes He works for Southwest. But isn't, isn't... He'll just fly down here, no, to pick some an... up, and then go home.
1: Isn't AK Arkansas and Alaska's... A...
2: Never mind.
0: There is no AK.
2: What is Alaska's?
0: AK. Oh, it is AK. So AR, <laughs> there's no AL. Uh HI. What is Ald- Alabama? A-L.
2: I thought you said there was no AL. There's no AL. There's oh, no AL the on the oh, list. That list. Oh.
0: Yeah. Uh FL is on here. That's good. ME is missing. Oh, there's ME.
1: Budweiser is there dark. Mm-hmm. In at the is at the, the source. Is that true? Now, at the source of oh, the Chesky oh. Budweiser. <laughs> With oh, trout wow. trout was really good,
0: oh, yeah. all right, you can even get it in Nebraska, so it's <laughs> uh awesome. the retail of this beer is thirteen bucks. Um, take some to your holiday party. I think you won't be disappointed with the results. Are we having a holiday party? We should have a holiday party. Did we have a holiday party last year? Uh, no, we had the we did the show uh, we didn't find some old spice <laughs> 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 we did the show, so last year we did a show called Never Beer, where we drank a whole bunch of beer that no listener will ever be able to have, ever. Yeah, we get complaints every now
1: and then. You have all these beers that I can't find. And so we just did a show that it was all beers, where it's like, you're probably not going to be able to yeah.
0: find those. Yeah, Cable Car 2007.
2: <laughs> so how did you manage to get a bottle of Cable Car out of the Tornado?
0: We know people that work at Tornado.
2: Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> um,
0: we're not supposed to. Well, you're not
2: I still to that out loud. Yeah, I, not I, I still to, have my. Uh, well, no, it's
0: not like we, we know everybody at Tornado. I've got my I mean sta- it, it doesn't clearly it, it, yeah. clearly. I mean it wouldn't you know we could just figure out like hey we're doing a cable we need a cable car for the show. Okay. <laughs> I mean you just have to ask.
1: <laughs> how about a how about a bottle of nineteen eighty five uh anchor our holiday ale?
0: Oh oh oh, <laughs> oh 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 so Alex wants to bring us um uh, he he has he has magnums of like two thousand nineteen ninety nine, two thousand one uh, that need to be destroyed.
1: That sounds good. We should do that. Yeah, soon. we're going
0: to do that. So that's coming up in uh, November, and if you can get here, you're invited. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that holiday party show would be
2: what, the way to go. What did they do, Jesse, at the Homebrew Club last year? They did a 20 year vertical. It was of, two years
3: uh, ago, yeah, we did a uh, we did a 20 year vertical of Anchor Christmas. Oh
0: wow! I thought we were doing really well by having 89, 90, 91.
1: Uh, 80, 84, 85, 86, oh, yeah, 87, 88.
0: We had five or six of them. Yeah. Wow.
1: I saw I still have more.
0: And uh and, and, and uh two thousand <coughs> and two thousand nine. So, you know, I can break out comparison. another bottle
1: of a cent fifty four.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we have to let it warm though, we learned that. Yeah, that has to get warm. <laughs> that's um, a ne- that's totally a never beer. That is definitely a never beer. <laughs> well <clears throat> um, Anyway, that's that. The AB police are looking for me now. What? Oh, there's there's that looks like our sh- like what we did. Did you save these bottles? They weren't my bottles. Did they save these bottles?
3: They might have, I don't know. Hmm. I think he probably has uh Je- it was Jeff. Uh Jeff is in our homework club. He also runs uh 148apps.com.
0: Oh, we know uh, that guy. Yeah,
3: and so he uh he is a Anchor Christmas aficionado. And so an email went out to the homebrew club looking for a couple specific years to fill in the gaps. And we were able to put it all together, including one of those big magnum bottles for the the current years. It was great. I mean, you know, the thing is it's... um, Some of those are going to be awful. Yeah. You know, what was interesting was everyone likes to talk, you know, mythically of this different range of dates. I think it was like the... Maybe the late 90s where they got apparently... No, it was was
1: like the early... It was the like mid-90s. Yeah, where they got really
3: aggressive with the spicing. Um, I thought, quite frankly, everything older than about eight years just tasted old. It tastes the same. (laughs) The
1: the spices go out because... What happened was um, about 1989 or 1990, um, I was doing a tour with friends, and I've toured Anchor probably 30 times by now, and... um, They were offering up 12-packs of uh, four-year verticals from, like, 84 to 88 or something like that. So we all bought a 12-pack. So you got three bottles of each. And I'm the last person who still has bottles. Mm -hmm. But over the years, we've gone through and and opened them up, Um, starting recently, because we drank some of them, you know, years ago. Recently, we opened one, say, probably three or four years ago. And one bottle had a bad cap or something it was bad most of the rest of them you could taste the differences between them and uh, mine have always lived in the crisper drawer of my refrigerator wherever I've lived oh wow yeah so they've always been cold they've always been dark and uh, I pulled out a, a vertical last year for, for beer school
3: wow I actually think that's that's a beer like one year of aging on that beer really brings out some nice yeah. character on it I and mean, after
1: a while the spice just oh yeah because yeah. some, some of it did get really it was interesting but you know, funky.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's a great beer. It's something I really enjoy. And I always, I always actually buy a couple of those Magnums when they go on sale a couple of weeks after New Year's. And they're just trying to unload them at that yeah, point. I bet no. Yeah, at Yeah, half price or whatever. Yeah. Ten bucks or something for those bottles. Yeah, and it's,
0: you, know, you take one of those to a party later on the next year. Always welcomed like a yeah. king when you bring a Magnum a beer. Because so. people are like, wow, you brought that for me? The whole problem is getting it cold. Because some fridges are not made for that beer. <laughs>
1: you just set it down. You know what you could do? You just float it out in the bay.
0: It's 54 degrees.
1: You should get a crab cage or whatever you call it. Crab trap?
0: Mm-hmm. Lobster
1: trap. Lobster trap. You know, just a, a caged a yeah. caged in thing yeah. Yeah. on a rope and just put your beer in it and lo- lower it down off the pier.
3: Yeah, and then
0: we'll get mercury poisoning later.
1: No, because it'll be That's I'm like kidding.
3: That's like the beer they pulled out of that shipwreck recently. Oh, yeah. I don't really remember any other details about it.
0: Well, there are bottles of Bass Ale that are down on the um, on the floor of uh, the Titanic. Oh yeah, yeah, and somebody didn't bring. Them. I don't remember that's, that's that part Pete of the Gr- movie. That's
1: Pete Brown's next book, I think. Yeah,
0: <laughs> go retrieve the Bass Ale that's down on the bottom of yeah, the. How like.
2: old was the beer in that? Was it like the 1700s or something, something like that? They said yeah. it was drinkable. It was in the Gulf of Mexico, right? Yeah. yeah. Huh.
0: Well, you know,
1: seventeen-year-old, seventeen-hundred-year-old yeah. Corona.
0: <laughs> hey, it wouldn't be light still, struck still yeah. tastes like cornstarch. you know so. down at the bottom, seventeen hundred feet, no light got there, yeah, you know cold under cold. Under, cold. Pre- under pressure under pressure <laughs> dun, dun, dun,
1: dun, dun. <laughs> dun, dun.
0: well, we have uh the best part about beer school is the homework, the homework, so he says while well, swallowing the homework is beer, so the homework this week is um, there are lots of barrel-aged beers that you can find in bottles uh, all around. So there's stuff from uh, Lost Abbey. There's this beer from Widmer. There's uh, beer that... uh, just about every brewery has tried to make. Anchor did a barrel age. Anchor did a barrel age. I still got a couple of barrels ah, of that. Bottles of
1: that. A bottle yeah, of that. Yeah. Wow. The OBA.
3: Yeah, that's a good beer. That's aged up real nicely too.
1: I well, think. I, I the, the, the they came over to me and they said, "Well, Fritz, well, we should be doing a probably beer in a barrel." And I, I said, "Well, uh, <laughs> we're just going to throw them away anyway." So.
3: <laughs> would you? Would you continue that impression to? I will sell you this brewery. <laughs> <laughs> Just to pour a little salt
1: on an open wound. But 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 you do have to go through the, the adoption process of the oompa loompas that live upstairs. And make <laughs> them. Yeah, make have that's, never...
3: that's really. I, they can change everything about that brewery, and it'll be fine as long as they keep making the brewers wear one piece cover, white coveralls. I will be happy. That is the, for me the key to that brewery's success.
0: Because the Lagunitas guys can wear whatever they want to wear. I'm just happy if the Lagunitas guys wear pants. So <laughs> there is that. So anyway, uh, the idea is go and find a barrel-aged beer uh, from your local uh, awesome beer shop. Take, in fact, to get two of them and uh, open them up. Let them open up, as it were. Sometimes they need to warm up. So you might pour yourself a glass. Calisthenics while you, uh, you know, pour Jazz pour two glasses. One. Let the beer just you know while you're. Enjoying one of them, let the other one sit there, and then compare it later on. Uh, what we found, or what I found, is is that in the example of uh, the Winmer Burr Bun, uh, it got better as it warmed up. You know, not too cold. If it's freezing cold, you won't taste any of those any of those those spices that are supposedly in it, and uh, uh, you know, enjoy it that
3: way. You want to go around and we'll each plug a, a local barrel-aged barrel, b- barrel age beer we like? Oh, yeah. Let's do that. Okay. You first. I'll go first. Uh, there is, I'll, I'll plug a beer that isn't quite out yet, but okay. uh, I know Firestone's just about to release their 14th anniversary barrel blend. And I um, I really like the, that, that beer every year, and I highly recommend it. It's usually pretty out. The alcohol is pretty hot when it comes out every year. That is uh, barrel-aged beers are really, really great for laying down for a year or two and and letting them age out and, and letting the flavors meld a little more mm-hmm. and that is a beer where i find you put 12 months of aging on that and you have something you you know that that beer what's that retail for about 20 bucks about. you know you can you have an extraordinary beer especially after you've laid that down with a year serve that with some really bitter dark chocolate something or another and really great
0: uh be sure to try one of them right now
3: Oh, yeah. Well, you buy two.
0: Yeah. You, you, buy, buy, you buy three is you what buy, you, do. you You buy, you buy a you, pallet. You buy a
3: pallet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you buy – well, the optimum, is, the optimum is to buy two. Enjoy one today. Enjoy one a year from now. Right. If you have the storage to, to buy, buy four, right? That way you have one for now, one for some special event that you're going to take a bottle to, and then one for next year and one for the year after. Yeah.
3: But that, yeah, those are, those are great beers that age up really nicely. Go to Pie Bar, drink some
2: Consecration.
3: Well, that's a... (laughs) Well, and the thing is you don't normally think of Consecration
0: as a barrel-aged beer, but it is a barrel-aged beer.
2: Well, you stole my thunder because that was very high up. Oh, sorry.
0: Go to Pie Bar and drink
2: uh, Temptation. (laughs) 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 I think Consecration is far and away my personal favorite in terms of uh, barrel-aged beers, Um, but I will throw a not-so-local shout-out to... uh, the Odell Woodcut series. Oh, uh, that's a great beer, especially if you put a couple years on those. Um, they're really outstanding. They're a little, uh little barrel forward up, you know, within a, a sort of a year of bottling. But but I highly recommend those.
0: Huh. Okay, uh, I don't know the beer, so I'm going to have to try that. Uh-huh. You know, learning on my own show.
1: Odell's yeah. is Midwest. Well, now right? you have some. they
3: Colorado. Homework.
0: Okay. I know. I have some homework. So my uh, shout out is uh, arrogant ba oaked arrogant bastard.
3: Well, now that, that that's an interesting one, because what kind of barrels do they use?
0: No barrels. No
3: barrels at all.
0: No barrels at all. It's so it's real fake oak. Oh. Well, no, it's
3: not. I no, should no, have no, said no, Budweiser. Now hold, <laughs> no, hold on. Now hold on. No, no, no. no I will I, come I, to the defense. No, of No, no.
0: Oh wait, no. I'm not. I'm making fun of it. I'm not. I, when I say you know, real fake. I'm just, no, no, I'm saying oak <laughs> chips is a really good way of of maximizing the production that you have, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of basically taking these barrels and needing to have the special stand and a forklift and taking care of them and losing uh, a barrel or two through, uh, you know, just, you know. The cat ate it. The cat ate it if or... If you would not jinx us like that, I'd really appreciate it. Okay, that. no, I'm just saying that that's just the, that's a phenomenon of barrel aging a beer. Shh. <laughs> you sell your mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Brewer's intention. <laughs> but, um, so anyway, it's, it's, a, it's, it's aged in stainless. And the oak is from chips. And they're dropped into the fermentation. And uh, during... I don't know how long it's aged... Uh, but that's on the bottle. But anyway, the idea is that I think... So I'm not a fan of Arrogant Bastard by itself. I really like Double Bastard because I think it's a more balanced beer. But if I have to drink uh, not Double Bastard, I want to have Oaked Arrogant Bastard.
3: Yeah, and I mean, as a home brewer, I've, I've worked actually quite a bit with oak chips. And the, the way I think of them is they are they bring a really aggressive direct oak character to a beer especially in the homebrew setting yeah um but just think of them as a different it's an ingredient in their own right it is not a replacement for an oak barrel right but it is a great way to infuse oak flavor in into your beer well
0: it's like barbecuing right and you add the the cherry yeah. chips or you add the pine chips well you know pine's not a good flavor but applewood um, applewood get uh, some nice you know Soot and, pitch
1: you know, <laughs> pitch in, yeah, pitch in yeah, your it's meat. It explains awesome. why the barbecue fed t- us t- tastes like, like <laughs> pine salt. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> nice eucalyptus smoked. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Eucalyptus.
3: <Here's> cough. <laughs> <laughs> I do most of my barbecue smoking using just witches, so. <laughs>
1: mm. I have another beer for you guys to try. Call it Old Playground. And you could do it on tan bark. The old the old bark that they put down. Oh the, right, was
3: that yeah. cedar chips? A... I, I don't know what it was, yeah.
1: but yeah. But so anyways,
3: I like Oak Derrick and <laughs> Bassford, too. Yeah, I think um. it's a,
0: I think it's you know it's a barrel it's a it's a barrel aged tasting beer that hasn't been aged in a barrel.
3: Yeah, and it's a really I mean again uh, from a homebrew side I I actually really enjoy. In fact, we used oak chips for the first uh, old oak homebrew experiments where we were honing in on some of our recipes. Uh, we used oak chips to try and recreate some of that just cool. for our own. Ex- Do you ever experience. use spirals or are those just too weird? We have not used spirals, but I've had lots of other beers that have been very successfully done with spirals. I know uh, uh Monk's Blood from 21st Amendment used spirals to great effect. Yep. I mean it's just these are all just different ways of ex- at the end of the day they're all just pieces of oak and the more the more uh, surface area you have the more oak character you can extract directly and quickly out of that wood so uh, spirals are slower than chips but faster than barrels
0: lots of surface area well it's a different characteristic I mean you know if you're going to age it longer spirals are probably the way to go Mm -hmm. versus chips because chips just have you know they're cut up the beer can penetrate through it really fast Um, you know probably eight times the
3: surface area with chips versus spirals yeah, I really enjoy actually for homebrews. I love using oak chips for homebrewed IPAs because you can get that oak character in there without having to age it and lose mm-hmm. all that great fresh hop aroma in the process. Probably a more realistic IPA back to the original recipe. Yeah, actually, you can find you can find uh, if you do if you if you Google it uh, for like an old uh, Blind Pig clone from sort of Vinny's older recipe back when he integrated oak. Uh, there's some really really great recipes out there for that kind of beer. Awesome.
0: Anyway, that's your homework, buy and find and drink or find, drink, wait, find, buy and drink, uh, uh, hunt, gather,
2: <laughs> find, kill, skin, <laughs> gut,
3: uh, boy, you make craft beer finding sound like an awful lot of work. It is a lot of work. <sighs>
2: we're all wearing loincloths right now. And Merkins. <laughs> and,
0: yeah. Wait, no, we're sharing a Merkin. A Way to bring it back. Way to bring it back. Well, thanks anyway. so much for having hey, us. Hey, you know what? I I think this project is wonderful. Thank you. I hope that uh, not everybody gets to do this kind of thing because I think it would oversaturate fairly quickly and a lot of people would get in and do it wrong. But you're going about it the right way. You know, you've experimented all summer and made the beer that you want to make in five gallons and got it big and got some barrels and not homebrewers anymore, are you? no
3: we're, we're, <laughs> it's get, things are getting real serious around here, so we're yeah we can't wait it. It should be uh fall things uh go according to schedule, and uh as we've learned in the brewing process, there is no detail too small not to become an insurmountable obstacle and uh but uh we we really think we're looking at getting it out right before new year's, so we're excited cool. awesome,
2: yeah, so look forward to uh, mid December hopefully
0: so it's just going to be local. Distribution.
2: Yeah, for now we're actually self-distributing the uh, Taurus and the uh, Mazda. will be uh, making. Are
0: the, you going to uh, do um, anything uh, shipping? No. Some people will go. Ooh, I really want that, but I live in Alaska.
2: You know. You know. I think the reality for us right now, and just because we have, you know, we have 400 cases, you know, for each each release. Um, not gonna happen. Yeah, I think I think for now, um, you know, we'd love to certainly, you know, envision that, you know, not to far into the future but i think for right now it's probably realistically just a bay area maybe some some south bay maybe some socal stuff but um probably all in state for now
3: yeah we're really focusing on the local
0: community you should get a case down to hamilton's because those guys
3: they've actually already requested it i know scott and he's he's asked and we said we'll see what we can arrange so
0: Road trip. Road Hard to get. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right.
1: Good well, move. thanks
3: again for having us. It's <laughs> it been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank so you. we nice only so have much.
0: one last thing to say on beer school, and that is class, class
1: dismissed. dismissed. <laughs> <laughs> and then the tape done is done. So we can <laughs> do whatever, so that whatever you
0: want to do. This was a <laughs> – I, I had fun with this. This was a – this was cool. Well, thanks for having us. I yeah, like you your that nice
1: Whitmere Brothers back to school peachy you got there,
0: John. Yeah, well, they have a laser printer that they printed <laughs> this on. Uh, the folder I is... That
3: little, I bet that drop shadow is just driving uh, Damien right up a wall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, don't even get me started. It drives, yeah.
0: it drives off the edge right here. And, like, there's... There's the uh, the ship where it just falls off the edge.
2: Well, absolutely, and, and for some odd reason, there's a huge portion of it directly to, to the horizontally to the bottle, which yes. Yes. Just a fake <laughs> <shadow. Yeah. laughs> it's a fake shadow. Photosh-
3: that's a Photoshop filter. As Not, a to,
0: Not even. Yeah. Well, maybe they did it with Photoshop, but it seems a bit harsh. Well, and, it's, the,
3: it's the other one that's really bad on the that one where it runs over the graphics. <laughs> that's that's the really bad one. Where it's a different shadow too.
1: Well, they probably did the layout in
2: PowerPoint. Yeah, (laughs) exactly right. I bet you
0: they wish they took more pictures. Like yeah.
3: Did you did you check out your flash drive by the way?
0: No, I haven't looked at it yet. I just noticed that there was one in there. No, there's
3: a so they gave us a flash drive. And uh, it's actually, it's a nice, I put it on my keychain, it's nicely designed, Ooh, um, wow. but more than that, it's a three gigabyte flash
0: drive. Wow, really? I could <laughs> totally use that.
3: That's what I said. I said, I'm always looking for a more than a gigabyte flash drive, and actually, I kind of like this little swivel metal case. Yeah, that's nice. I really feel like we're still recording,
0: even though I know. We are that. recording. I know. That's the best part about this. I know. The homework! <laughs> anyway, Office Depot folder and a Windverse sticker. That's how you build a brewery.
3: I have an old oak sticker on my kegerator at home now.
0: So first, did you make the T-shirts first?
3: We have made T-shirts actually. Nice. I I, it occurred to me after I was like, <laughs> "We really should." Well, we. um... I, well, we,
0: this is a really cool thing to have on the shirt.
3: The shirts look great. Um, they came out really, really. nice. Me pointing to the. Oak they say the
0: Oaklandish
1: oh, on them. <laughs>
3: yeah, we. They're hoodies. Heard that? <laughs> no, we have hoodies and shirts actually. Uh, we're going to make more, but you know as well as. For us, it's one of those things where I wear that to a farmer's market, and four people ask me about it every time. They're
0: like, hey, what's that?
3: Yeah. You
1: say, shut up,
3: hippie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Pass me that there estate bottle. Well, there's, there's a... oh, look at that. That's, that's cool.
3: Yeah, and then, and then they say uh, Farm to Barrel, actually, on the front, and then Farm, we've, done, yeah. we've done some t-shirts, too. I
1: like Farm to Barrel.
3: Uh, but it really, because we both of us were like, you know, this will look great on a shirt, and uh, who doesn't like beer swag? So
1: I have to really stop my beer swag. Uh, I came back with very little for my trip. I do have a Radburger umbrella now, though.
3: I brought back. I got from Belgium. I brought back. I brought back a Cantillon shirt.
1: Oh, I've got one.
3: But I mostly, and then,
1: and then you have to go into that place in Pasadena whose name I always forget. The really good beer bar in Pasadena.
0: You're talking still, about. You're talking about. Exactly, John.
1: That's my the point. The Stuffed Sandwich Shop. No, not Stuffed Sandwich. Uh, uh, I, uh, they stole Cantillon's logo. Oh. Um,
3: I mostly brought beer back from Belgium. We brought a to- I paid two overcharges and brought back a total of 20 bottles of beer. With dang.
1: Me. Wow, you're a good person. I never bring anything back for friends.
3: Well, they were for friends.
1: No, oh, for yourself. I mean, I don't even bring it back for myself.
3: We brought back, a about, and about half of that was Dre Fontaine. <laughs> Including a bottle, I brought back a bottle of the Dre Fontaine um, distilled, distilled Goose. Yeah.
1: I uh, I came back once with cans of, I think it was Lendemann's Lucky Lampy. Baldwin's. Exactly. Oh, you're, you're faster than I am. Yeah, Lucky Baldwin's in Pasadena, very, very good beer bar. Um, they ripped off the. They, it's a total rip off of the Canteon. Well,
3: I mean, if you're going to rip off something, it's not a bad place to start. Us, it's but, true. So. We went to Canteon too. It was fun. Oh yeah, terrible part of town. Really it's hard to bad. find. It's
1: like, I always get lost because it. I know it's like two blocks from the train station, knack. but all of them go out. Well, the problem. W- we grew up in the it's... Cartesian plane of the <laughs> law of the Indies. Uh, layout of cities, so mm-hmm. you always know that if you make four right turns you'll be back around the block But when you go to Europe, yeah. it, the, it's basically shattered glass because it's developed over the years or you get these really nice Geometric patterns, but you don't always Four right turns don't always lead you back to where you started.
3: Yeah, we spent um, We spent almost two hours walking around trying to find really? It Really? We had a terrible map. And We asked for directions like twice and that made things worse. Didn't you have your GPS thing with you? That doesn't work when you're walking. Oh, is that right? Yeah, it doesn't like walking. It works great in cars. It works fine staying still. But it's like walking.
0: recalculating. What, what I did Walked was faster, um, recalculating.
1: For my last trip, I did a bunch of stuff on Google Earth, and then I shot PDFs of it, and then loaded that into this and that, into the, the into my iPod, is really
3: iPad.
0: Is really accurate?
3: Inaccurate. Inaccurate. It yeah. has text that's not. Yeah. Well, I'll make Wait.
2: sure that it's fuzzy. All right. Yeah, we actually just for the sake of comping, we actually lifted. Text from
3: I think it was a Russian river bottle. Yeah, before we actually wrote the application it. It's
0: a layout that I'm curious about. Not the.
3: That's not even the final layout that I can show you what know. the final layout looks mm-hmm. like. Here, it's actually it. on the cell sheet.
2: Is it? The, the back, back is. Oh, the back
3: isn't. No. All
2: right. Goes to their mobile device. Mobile you device. Guys, that was a lot of fun. Thanks a lot. It was a good was time. Awesome. Yeah, that thanks so much for having
1: us.
0: Well, we only have to make the kids say something. I what Time is it. Uh, when, when do
2: you usually um, post this up?
0: It'll be tomorrow morning when I get it done. Oh, I don't
2: know. There you go. There's There's,
0: there's, hey, kid, there's the back.
2: Ooh. We can send that to you also if, you're, if you guys want
3: it. I yeah, I was going to say ahead. if you want any graphics or something. Well, I'll just take something. a
0: picture of the phone to <laughs> yeah. see, that's
3: just as funny. Or you can email that to him, can't you, if it's a PDF? No, I'd like, rather make him do this. <laughs>
1: oh, <yeah. laughs> John's good at that. What happened to your camera? You're missing the… Uh, the front? Yeah, you're missing the uh, automated got, lens cover. The yeah, automated so
0: lens sized. cover got smashed. So okay. um, mm-hmm. then I, Then I messed around with it trying to get it to work and then it didn't work finally i and then i had the cover on the top the silver cover uh-huh. but it kept the little pokes that went down into to open well those kept moving it around and eventually it fell off and it went doink 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 plop. so then i lost it and i found out that it still worked without the lens cover
3: dear webmaster we sell health products at com and are interested in exchanging links with your website
0: The guards. There's some
1: really really good spam out there.
0: Yeah. Somebody should write a spam book.
3: And David from the Healthy Spirits wants to be my friend.
0: Oh, that's cool. Guess you'll be able to buy your beer at Healthy Spirits.
3: Uh, Yeah, we're going to be in their beer of the month club box. Wow. Yeah. January. That's (sighs) the plan anyway.
0: Yeah, one bottle and out. Ha
3: ha. Um. Yeah, we're working on a yeah, we've, and we've actually we you know we're working on a bunch of like little little fun things with local restaurants and stuff. So, Humphrey Slocum is going to make an ice cream out of it, and Dynamo Donuts is going to make a donut with it. So nice, we're doing a bunch of fun stuff like that.
0: Beer donut.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. All right. Well, shall we, sir?
0: Okay. Hey, kid. Yeah. Show them the door.
1: Yeah,